Oh, you're not going to do football now. I wouldn't be able to. All right, just do something like that. Bit of that and a bit of this. What's all that about in there? I don't know what's going on. Nine more weeks. It's absolute bullshit. And you need to get your thinking caps on. And you need to come up with a different fucking plan. And give the people some fucking hope. Get moving, come on! Oh, he's taking a fit! We're not in the Bethesda Isan, episode 146, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof Carly. Back again, Gar. Back again, and still sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical for all your electrical needs. So get in touch with us or Ocean Electrical, Google them, and then they will sort you out. Speaking of sponsorship, Gary, so you've made a plea to Manscaped online for sponsorship. I, I know, it's yeah. Slandering uh, I've, I've my nether regions. <laughs> your nether regions are jungle esque. How would you know? No, well, just from what I've been told. Uh, yeah, so Manscaped, they're the sponsor everybody. Like everybody. All the big ones, some smaller ones. Have to get in on the action, prof. Big set of hairy balls between us. So, uh, yeah, we have another packed show for you today. And we have the Shamrock Rovers all-time worst 11, which is going to be a bit of crack. 11 different Rover fans were given one choice each. So wait until you see how bad the team is. And we're also beginning a new monthly segment for the podcast in the Tifties in memoriam. So we will remember the great Rovers fans who we lost over the years. So the late Maureen Connolly is the first to be featured. Yep, very appropriate choice. I think Maureen passed away two years ago. On uh, Valentine's Day, so she should be our first one featured. Uh, I and think uh, we, how will we approach? Let's say some of the players that have been in the worst eleven. How are we going to approach some of them when we want to interview them and say you've been voted in the worst eleven of all time? Like, what are your <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> well, we're doing a thing later where we give our own worst eleven, and I've deliberately le- left out a centre back because we're planning on interviewing him in a couple of months. Have we got a manager? So so I just don't want anyone to tweet him and be like, you know, they put you in your worst 11 there. Yeah, we have to get a manager in though. Has to be Kenny. Worst 11 manager. Could be Kenny. In our time. Yeah. Well, Stephen Glass. Be very, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see who we'd actually get to pick it as well. We could do a poll. Yeah. We could even do a poll. Yeah, so you haven't heard from us in a month and I haven't seen you in a month, Gare. Yeah, it's been a while. Even though we work technically like together, but yeah. an hour or two separates us. So. Might as well catch up on air. Did you get your takeaway ashes from Centre? My takeaway what? The centre were doing takeaway ashes. Ashes? Yeah, for Ash Wednesday. <laughs> oh, fuck off, are you messing? <laughs> no. I didn't see that. Who applies them to, to go out to check out? Not all centres, but some, someone was doing it. No, didn't see that at all. No, no I haven't seen that. We, it's, like I said, it's been a while, it's been a month. 
a long month and uh yeah so unfortunately the 5k restrictions are here to stay for another couple of months and owen royce tweeted left dublin eight for the first time this year today went to crumlin great to do some traveling again and of course he goes to the hotbed of talent there and he is. could bump into any talented individual at any time what a place crumlin is especially the crumlin shopping center absolutely fantastic place to visit yeah so we're staying in level five lockdown Garrett. but what did you hear we're back in the beer gardens by the summer I just summer 2022 the only thing I look for in those statements are the schools when the kids are going back that's all that's really relevant because I can't take anything else seriously as regards the businesses opening as regards to vaccinations I think they said they were going to do 3 million in 3 months I mean come on 3 million in 3 months so I, I, I only look for what concerns the kids at the minute and how we're going to get back to school and stuff like that other than that keep myself to myself obey all the restrictions I do all that but other than that they are just a gang of spoofers they really are. It's a lot of frustration. It's a lot of frustration. It's just very, very, very annoying to listen to. Considering they're saying, uh, in particular, the Taoiseach who will say, we've all been affected by this. You're <clears throat> sitting in an ivory tower up there and you have no effect on your life whatsoever. So Hell, me Hall. I'm going, I'm ranting, I'm ranting here. It's been a while, Prof. Haven't had a rant in a while. So, random question. What Robert fan do you think is suffering the most with the barbers closed? The barber has to be Tommy Tommy. <laughs> Tommy Tommy. Has to be Tommy Tommy. Well, he sent in his uh, worst 11. Fantastic head of hair. With voice? No, I didn't see his hair now, but... Oh, God, who Bar- else? Barney Senior, surely. Barney Senior has a, a nice helmet of hair. <laughs> he'd, he'd get away with, without wearing a helmet on the old motorbike. Uh, who else? Jeez, yeah, there's a gang of them. Yeah, I'm struggling myself now. I've got a couple of inches now on top. I'm thinking about going for an old charity shave, maybe, in the, in, uh, when, when lockdown is over. Maybe yeah. we could, maybe a gang of us could do it. Maybe a couple of us could keep the hair going, shave it all off for charity. Well, just one final note on the, on these lockdowns and no fans allowed in games. I just want to say something. I hate all these one-year anniversaries. Yeah, you know what I'm talking of about? Of awful events. Of good events. It's like, oh, this is the last time fans were allowed in games. Yeah. 7,000. I was only thinking about the Sligo 3 too. Remember that? It's just, yeah. It's like, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> Vividly. And I'm frustrated it can't happen, so can thanks. We, can we just let the day pass on yeah. Sunday, right? Just don't bring up the Dark 3 too. Don't send them. WhatsApp group will be flooded, watch. It's already replayed the game on Facebook. Yeah, yeah so it's very, very, very frustrating. And with no real outlook or a main plan to get us back into the stadium. So I think I said this online that I'd prefer the turnstiles to be open than the pubs. It's a bit of a statement, but just, just my personal greedy opinion. If you want to call it selfish, that's how I feel. Um, right, so a bit of feedback from January's episode of Tifty's and McDara Ferris, another great show, transported back in time to 2006 with Aidan Price interviewing African name dropping Tig Porcel, so high, pra- high praise from a high brow, and a uh, big shout out to McDara Ferris. Apollo Dwyer, I had to ration my podcast intake as you just wouldn't have had one for a while after releasing the last one, didn't want to blow my beans too soon, as Gary <laughs> would say, and listen straight away. To have only to wait three weeks for the next one. Good strategy. Cause I think, is that going to be on my tombstone? Gary <laughs> blew his beans too soon. <laughs> That's what you'll be remembered for. Uh, remembered for blowing his beans. Right. Um, listen to way uh, today anyway and really enjoyed the podcast. 2006 was a special year for me as it was the fourth season my dad properly brought me and the bro to regular games. Hearing Ado was great even if he was diplomatic about the bus story, etc. Uh, yeah he was he was quite he was uh, very one tone mm. 
and very diplomatic about certain things. Well, that interview, what that was uh, filmed on on camera for the documentary. As always, so thanks for the praise. It's always always appreciated. Thank you very very much. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Good egg, that fella. A good egg, yeah, a good egg. So another good friend of ours, Eamon in the States. Well, lads, the last episode came out the day my daughter was born and had it on at the hospital while I was pushing her around the ward to her <laughs> mom and give her a break so she didn't only have to listen to me talk about Rob, she got your dulcet tones as well. So the COVID reminder was brilliant. Fair play. Good old Amo, listen to mm. us in the delivery ward. That has to be your first for Tifties. On the airwaves in the maternity ward. So our dulcet tones with the forced voices, his little girl heard. Yeah. What, cr- what a way to enter the world. Big congrats to him and you. Yeah. Uh, Tifty's Merch Prof, we are currently in the process of procuring our Tifty's Merch and sampling from different companies all around Dublin and we're happy enough with the one we have at the minute but we are open to suggestions. Um, big shout out to uh, All Barry Sports and they, good Tala, good Tala lad, Tala brand, they looked after us and we're 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 looking around. We're having a little, a little shop around, seeing what else we can get anywhere else. So we're looking at these gillets, fleeces, all sorts. Uh, we're going for stickers next. Maybe some, maybe some uh, skins, some bottle openers, stuff you're pretty much going to use during lockdown. Well, you're you're rocking the the body warmer there. I've got the bobble hat over there. Uh, I'm officially a bobble hat wearer, girl. Yeah, they first are, time in my life. They're very cool. And how cool did the badge turn out? Honestly. It actually, I don't think we could have done it better anywhere else. Oh, it's class. The stitching is just really, really good. It's fantastic. So, But before you went ahead and got the merch done, you, you, I saw you put up on Instagram, what do people want? And if you're familiar with the Tisty's bus and a certain incident, this was huh? perhaps unsurprising. Cahill wanted seatbelts. <laughs> oh, God. Very, very important to wear a seatbelt on a way days. God, poor fella. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so with Tifty Merch, it's going to be coming soon. Um, like I said, we're just procuring some different products at the moment, so uh, keep keep your eye on Instagram, and we will keep you updated. Yeah, I wanted to give a shout out as well to uh, David Brennan. He probably gave you a call as well, didn't you, Gar? This was this would have been oh yeah two or three weeks ago. He certainly did. That was random, yeah. He's a, fair play to Dave, an elder statesman, as you like to call these <laughs> these gentlemen. We we met him on a European trip. I can't remember which one it was now. One or two years ago. He says he's going to listen to... He's only started listening to podcasts now. <clears throat> and he says he's going to listen to all 146 episodes in reverse order. I found that fascinating. I just yeah. thought to myself, that is, that is nuts. That's going to give you a totally different perspective on everything. Like It's going yeah. to get terrible soon. It's going to get really <laughs> bad because yeah. the bow streak is in there. And that's going to get really oh, bad. God. So he's going to listen to us giving it banana, giving it socks at the height of the... The Bohos uh, tobacco when we couldn't beat them. My first thought was kind of like, but you're going to hear shorter version interviews first. You know what I mean? Like we have, you're, you're going to hear Ricer and Shazi and, and Tony Cousins and all them. Mm. They were little short ones focused on certain years. Rather than hearing the, you know, the, the monthly madness one lasting, lasting hours. But. I'd be interested in his opinion on <coughs> the Tala one. I'm actually listening back to that myself. Or our uh, journey to Tala which is fantastic oh, yeah. stuff yeah it's, that's always worth a listen that's one for the neutral as well in fairness I actually did listen back to it because I had to, I had to research mm. for the documentary it so is it's one for the neutral it's an interesting here. listen um, just before we got on to Robert's stuff here there was, there was a cool question posed to me in work recently and I'll give a shout out to Jamie and Kieran because they're expecting shout outs I'll be name checking I'll be name checking everyone on post at this stage Gar at the end of the year. Is it Carl? Can you pull up your trousers, please? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be no end to it. <laughs> but uh, 
So the challenge was make a best 11 of players that you've seen play in the flesh. Mm. So they had to be in front of you in the stadium. And this can be for any amount of time? Yeah. Or does, do they have to impress you? Or can it be the fact like they could have had... Do you know what I mean? They could have had a stinker, but you saw yeah, Ronaldo. Yeah, you know okay, what I mean? Okay. So, I, I, it's funny when I was thinking about this, because other than Rowers games... It's requires a lot of talk. Because other than Rowers games, like I've only been to Old Trafford once. You were with me to that. Nil all, Sunderland. No, we, you know, it was one nil, one nil, nanny. I think Saha got the winner. And uh, but he rested loads of players. Your man was playing up front. Like he rested Ronaldo, Rooney, and Giggs. So those three can't go in. It was fucking. Do you know what? I'm, yeah. And we never went back. No. We were just like, this is fucking shit. <laughs> can't even stand uh, up. I've been to Lansdowne Road twice. So Old Trafford once, Lansdowne Road twice, and still I had. Everyone at work beaten just because of the players who are on show. Brazil in those games. Brazil nil all. That's the one. Yeah, nil so all a bit of look, bit of luck involved because of the time frame and the players there. So I saw Ireland play a friendly in 1993, and then Brazil into the Hells and Tree, which we went to together. So my team is packed with Brazilians now. Oh yes. Now if you if you've been going to Ireland international matches or Celtic Champions League games, you probably you probably better this team. No bother. If you're old enough to have seen Pele and Maradona come to Dublin, you'd beat this team, you know, all that. I wasn't at the Real Madrid friendly, so I couldn't put in Cristiano. So here we go, 4 3 3. Oh, yes. Uh, Edwin, got, have we got Pacey wingers? Uh, no. They're, they're just shoehorned in. Oh, really Pacey. So Edwin van der Sar, as it happened, the best keeper I saw on the fish. Uh, the fullbacks were easy Cafu and Roberto Carlos. Centre back pairing Paul McGrath and Cadini. Uh, in the field I'm going Roy Keane Ronaldinho and Paul Scholes and my front three are Del Piero Fat Ronaldo and Zlatan (laughs) Fat Ronaldo what a team what a team good team and there's a few there's a few omissions there as well yeah Shmi Bench has Kaka and Harry Kane God's sake no no Jack Bourne no room for Jack Bourne no he's on the bench Nanny is nowhere near my bench because fuck Nanny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a team. That's interesting now. I'd love to hear the likes of our <coughs> elder statesmen, the likes of Maloney yeah. and our other uh, seasoned supporters, you could say. Your team probably similar because you were at a couple of those games with yeah, me. Yeah, I was and at you've those. Seen, uh, I used to go to a lot of schoolboy games, so a lot of the yeah. schoolboy internationals. So I'd have to, geez, I'd have to look back on all my ticket stubs. I'll give you until the next podcast, I think, with your team. So, Jeez, Rui Costa yeah. would be in there. But you'd you'd have Ronaldo and Del Piero and Ronaldinho there as well anyway. Ah yeah, what it would do. What yeah. it would do. I don't think I've ever seen, was Skulls playing that game? That, he was, that yeah, game, yeah. Yeah. Right, so we move on to the fixture list and it was released since we last did a podcast and that was the twenty twenty one League of Ireland an elite sport unlike Inter County GAA and that's official now and this has been boiling piss for weeks. It's fantastic. Um, oh, I love the It's outrage. great to see the GAA lose their shit online and give out stink about the League of Ireland. Oh, the and outrage just, from the managers is glorious. It's just, you're just hooking it to your veins. <laughs> you're, just, you're just taking it all in. Twitter has been fantastic. And it's just, uh, it just shows you there still is a bit of a divide between the GAA and the League <laughs> of Ireland. Um, so it's officially, we are elite and the GAA is not. But that's what they claim to be. They claim to be rank amateurs. So, Yep. I mean, there you go. Uh, we start with Dundalk and Tala in the President's Cup, Prof. And you still have your ticket from last time. Should be valid. No, I remember I sold, I sold to the gaff. gaff. Yeah, sold to the gaff. So he, he's, he's, he's getting in on that. So gaff, if right. you're listening, you can finally cash it in a yeah. year later. <laughs> 
Friday, March 12th, and the league campaign begins at home to Pats. Friday, 19th of March, and away to Derry the following week. And hopefully restrictions are literally, prof, we can get to a game. been saying this, how long now? <laughs> how long have I been trying to get this uh, raccoon pub to take us in and have a live show? I'm sure you're still running a bus. The hopes, did you remember that? <laughs> Derry as well, wasn't it? There was a bus to Derry, I think. Jesus, the ho- it's the hope that killed you. Yeah. So, yeah, St. Patrick's uh, is the first league game. As you said, two days after Paddy's Day. Uh, rare opening day opponents are Pats because only once in the last 60 years have we played them 60 in the first game and that Jesus. was the Danny North debut goal with the wind with the wind scored yeah one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my life <laughs> Dundalk is the third game uh, we tend to get them at home early a lot don't we yeah uh, so yeah 36 game season no EA Sports Cup again uh, the first division fixtures are released a week later with a TBC TBC always a tough place to go Bowes will be disgusted now that they yeah. won't have a chance to win a big cup oh the answer's senior cup with the EA Sports one gone <laughs> they've already won that that's the, that's the, that's the big oh, one. Oh, that's the next one yeah but more in the first vision later there's, there's a lot to say in that yeah so there were fears of a blackout on live streaming and games but Watch LOI is set to return until June initially and um, with a slight price increase I was I think I was at my lowest as regards to just disappointment with the the opening of the League of Ireland again and the and the way things were going it's just nothing positive about it like there was no buzz yeah. there was no way of watching it we weren't getting into the grounds it was just very very hard to be positive and considering when you twin that with everything else that's been going on in the world and in Ireland in general there's probably a lot of people that are feeling similar who are feeling just a little bit down but that's that's when you actually go and you start talking to people and you just confide in someone and say okay listen this is how I feel and it does help lift your spirits especially when you mightn't necessarily have anybody to talk to in your house, or which is every a lot of people's situation. But it is. It was really, really doom and gloom. Football in football terms last week. So it's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel where we can actually watch Rovers. So it's it's definitely a, a well, positive. Like you said, there's just no buzz at all because we can't get into the games. Mm. But I can't believe we have to say this, but we need to see the games. I said this to who did I say this to? I think I spoke to. I can't remember who it was. I might have been Shazzy, and I was like, "I, we can't do the show. How are we gonna do the show? We're not gonna watch the games. We actually couldn't do it. I'd have to try and blag me way in to every single game. It's not gonna be shown on the telly. How are we gonna do the show without watching it? It just. Can you believe that we have to, like, someone said the Finn and Iceland have TV deals worth over a million. We have to beg for a pity stream. Beg, like we get no zero money. Zero money, not a penny, for showing live TV. It's just, and this is only until June because the word was that it was unsustainable over a thirty-six game season. So the FEI and RTE have to put in money money into it again in the second half of the year for it to continue. And they released the figures there from last year. They said that only eleven thousand paid to watch LOI last season. That's not including season passes. And that was below expectations. And isn't all the while the FAI are still continuing to pay Mick McCarthy and uh, Roy Keane? And Robbie Keane, am I right? I'm just still negotiating Robbie's payoff, you mean? Massive money. Massive money. All going into the pockets of a millionaire. But that's just a, an opinion. Well, they said 11,000 there, but I think they actually compared it to attendances in... Say the first five games of 2020 or 2019, 
and I don't think it was that far off. Like the amount of people that actually watched the games online wasn't too far off from the amount of people that went through the turnstiles. You know what, what, I mean? what did he want? So it was slightly below expectations, but they shouldn't expect miracles either. Oh, I don't know. Listen, it's it is it's a badly needed service anyway for the hardcore who who really do want to watch the games. But we're happy it's back <laughs> anyway. Bad news on deadline day, Prof. We had the departure of Aaron Mack and Neff. The Hearts dead to us. Yeah, he is officially dead to us. Snake, uh, snake, snake, snake. <laughs> the Scottish Championship leaders triggered a one hundred eight thousand race cause in his Rovers contract, which had six months left to run. Aaron posted a classy goodbye. Doesn't matter, he's a snake. And <laughs> online, and hailed Stephen Bradley saying, "From the very first day, he looked out for me." But now it was a, it was, it was a, it was a kick in the bollocks to lose Aaron Mack and Neff. And it was so quick as well because we had no yeah. idea. We, we didn't expect this at all. So I think it was, it was like six o'clock on the yeah, night. I think they were rushing through the paperwork and getting the getting the deal done. And now he's starting for them. I think he started the other day very deep from our uh, Scottish football correspondent, Jason Maloney, told us. So delighted from um, he's going to be playing regular football. He has a crack at the old firm next year, which is huge. He can play against in those massive stadiums. Ibrox playing Celtic Park, play against in the, in the Edinburgh Derby. It's... He was always going to take the move, and we wish him all the best of luck because he's been absolutely brilliant for us. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Uh, gave us a couple of pairs of boots to raffle off for charity. The Wheats got the Penenka boots, where he scored into the South Stand on his debut against Derry. And he was on this podcast as well. That was episode one hundred and one. It was yeah. right after our 100 special. Fantastic stuff. Jaden got his boots. I don't know what goal he scored with those boots he got, but listen, he was he's been fantastic every single time with every Rovers fan you can imagine. I mean, I'd say he was sick to the teeth of doing these videos and doing these <laughs> post-outs and all sorts. So He never said no. He? he never said no. Absolutely brilliant. So, uh, tough yeah. to see him go, but listen, we wish him all the best. Yeah, I mean, Jack's move to Applewell, that was expected for weeks yeah. and weeks, but this this was just totally out of the blue, wasn't it? It was. It was a kick in the teeth. It really was. And um, he's made, I think, was it three appearances so far? Uh, Saturday was his first start. Uh, he made a couple of cameos off the bench away to Air and Queen of the South. And uh, I think you were saying there, Harris fans are just raving about him. Yeah, loving them already. And they've nicked our song. They've nicked the song. Have they already taken it? Yeah, so I've heard, yeah. So I think mm-hmm. I read online on a forum that they, yeah. that they nicked the song already. Well, but we, we've got our own. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have the lyrics there? No. <laughs> From Andrews. Oh, oh he'll have to do. <laughs> No, I don't have that. Oh, here. shout out to Deco Fitz. He cracked me <laughs> up, man. I thought you were going to say, like, we should get his brother on loan. We have, we'll come up with yeah. somebody to sing the song with, because it's yeah. a, it's our best song. And, uh, yeah, so... Is, it, is his brother still at Arsenal, is it? His brother's still at Arsenal. Apparently, yeah. he's, he's highly thought of. Yeah. I think Celtic wanted him last year, and yeah. they didn't want him. They had plans for him in the fourth team, but... It'd be, just, great. Just, It'd be great to get a player of that calibre. Just get him in alone and then we can still have the song. It's yeah. Like, that's yeah. why he is the best. That's He's Aaron McInerney's brother. brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, so his yeah. appearances so far, Prof? Yeah, like I said, a couple of cameos. three, isn't he? A couple of cameos there and he started on Saturday. Fans were saying things like his movement and energy straight away. He looked like a real player. Funny enough, on his debut, Andrew Wright was playing against him. No, no way. Former ball striker. Could he say for a saint, someone? It was either Eric Queen that sailed one of those two. Yeah, so we checked. the Harris manager said that um, he, he will get more starts, but they're being careful with him because 
he's not trained since uh, December. Yeah, he's fit as a fiddle though. He's one of those guys that's naturally fit. So what do you think about the fee? Uh, I don't think it's good enough. I think we just got stung with the release clause, but you should be looking at half a million. We should be setting our stalls out mm. to be taking in half a million for these players. And then the precedent has been set then. You can't come back and ask for any less for any other player. I think we should be getting half a million easy for him. Look at look at all over the world. If you look at there was a transfer for a Hungarian lad who went from Apoel Nicosia to the Dutch league and they paid four million from. Previously to that, I think Apoel bought him for maybe half a million. That's so we need we need to be setting out our stall and saying, okay, here's how much it is. You don't want to pay, get lost. That's what I was going to bring up. You got these, say, for example, smaller Eastern European leagues commanding four or five million transfer fees. Easily getting it. Now, one thing we need to stop is the trials, right? Do you think these players in those countries are going over on trials at Christmas so that the manager can look at them yeah. and then he comes home with his tail between his legs? Do you think that happens over there? No, not a no chance. Way. And isn't that disrespectful it's to the league as well? It's isn't it? it is embarrassing. It's disrespectful to the league as well. They're looking at it saying, okay, he looks good, but this league might necessarily be the best, so we're going to bring him over and play him in a couple of shy friendly games. And then see if he's any better than those. Mm. And if he doesn't play well, we won't sign him. Whereas you could be just looking at him in our league, playing competitive football, doing well in the Champions League, the Europa League, and then boy him. But we need we it's as a club we need to set our style and say until not the, happening until anymore. the trials stop, we're not going to get anywhere anywhere over five hundred thousand. And even even half a million for Bazuni was kind of a one off. Yeah. Plus it has has add ons, you know, which hopefully we'll see in the next year or so if he plays for Ireland. But. Oh, we only had this discussion about about yeah. Gav, didn't we? He's probably mm. played the most competitive games of any Irish goalkeeper. Um, he was very unlucky not to get into the Man City squad because he broke his finger and Ederson was out and they had some some other backup keeper playing and that yeah. could have been his chance. It was between it was a throw up between him and that other keeper, mm. so it was just unfortunate. But he's playing out of his skin at the moment. He got an assist. He's playing fantastic. He's he is going to be the next Irish international for the next twenty years. We know that. Oh, so I'm hoping we piled on the cash for that for that for that signing out <laughs> or for that fee or whatever we put in his clause. There was also a bit of a debate about how closely should we follow players after they leave after they leave Rovers. But man, we've such a soft spot for him, though, aren't we? But do we not do this with everyone? We do. No, like Ender Stevens and Noel Hunt and. But I think there's a little bit more of a soft spot for Gav. I don't know what it is. It's because he came up through the ranks. He was at Rovers for so long. And he's yeah. such good things to say about us, and he followed Rovers. He, you know, I think that's kind of bringing him closer to our hearts. Yeah, no, I'm not singling out uh, Gavin. I'm just saying, I saw people start giving out online. I was like, oh, why are you giving me updates about whether Jack is in the squad or not? Because we're interested, and yeah. we wish them the best. One of our best ever players. We want them to flourish. And we want them back on loan. So In the summer. <laughs> for the Champions League games, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah so uh, yeah Jack had a bit of a rough time starting off prof. like we said we've been keeping an eye on him subbed at half time get the hook a couple of times in a row for Applewell and didn't make the squad last weekend now he could be nursing an injury could be uh, hurting somewhere but it's not good getting the hook twice but if if McIniff and Burns training were around the same how could Jack still have a fitness issue now at this stage I don't know Maybe it's, I don't know, each to their own. Some people train harder than others. Mm. You wouldn't know. He could be injured, but it's not working out at the minute. Um, yeah. Hopefully he goes yeah. on and flourishes. I think I think it was a good move from. Um, if you look at the the transfer record of Applewell from selling players to bigger European clubs, mm. you could, he could have had an eye on that. Could have said, right, I could have yeah. two good seasons here and make a bigger move. So He just needs to make 
enough of an impression in the next two or three months to either stay in the manager's plans or catch someone else's interest yeah. and you might move on. There you go. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Well, well he point. still has two years left, am I right? Two years? Six months ago? Two and a half years, I think he got. I think so, yeah. It's a funny old game, isn't it? Like it Mick is. McCarthy flying a Cardiff. Flying. <laughs> has them totally turned around. He could, have fought, he could find himself back in Wales, so... Um, yeah so Bradzer he said in an interview that we will cope without Bourne and McInef and is this the same rag that quoted us and, uh, and took the the worst possible quote over interview <laughs> on the Bradzer cast and put the it mirror, as a, yeah, it's typical of that man I can't remember I think, I think it is the mirror yeah typical unbelievable they just dive in and they pick whatever they want I was telling I was telling our WhatsApp group about that recently with the Gogglebox thing where yeah. we spoke about the slightest, like the 20 minute interview, and I think for about 30 seconds we spoke about a slight bit of abuse that we had received online. And we spoke about it for maybe 30 seconds, and they used that as the headline. That was the majority of, trolls. The, of, of the article. Well, it was the main yeah. thing trolls, target, couple. I was like, would yeah. you ever fuck off? Like, yeah. They're unbelievable. You can't trust them papers. Well, hopefully, when you're being interviewed on Dancing with the Stars in a couple of years, they <laughs> print what you want them to print, Gary. It's like I've been a fan of the tango for years. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? So yeah, they are Brad's are records. We can cope without them, and obviously you just have faith in a squad. I mean, you can't turn around and say, "Oh, we're going to struggle without them." It's you, you can't say that. So obviously he's going to say that, but he believes it, and I think I think so as well. I think the we've, uh, Danny Mandrew Man Mandroyu coming in. Um, we've Apparently that's how it's pronounced. Actually, yeah. Yeah, man, you have to roll your tongue. The weeds were saying that's it. Yeah. Give it a shot there. Mandrayu. No, I have to roll your tongue. I can't be rolling tongue. <laughs> so that's yeah, we do. I mean, uh, he scored on his on his unofficial debut. I mean, so um, very interesting <coughs> seeing how Danny gets on. Hopefully, we can knock him into shape, and he can play well. Hope you got the car done the car wash on the way home. I get that. It just shows, doesn't it? People are mad. <laughs> People are mad. Uh, yeah, he said this when teams are on the phone over a period of months. You have to understand it's a serious interest and things could happen. You don't want to lose good players, but there has been interest for quite some time, and that's the league we're in. When you're successful, people want what you have. So your job is to plan, be ready for the next season. We've a strong squad, and we'll be fine. Yes, we've lost some good players, no doubt. One in international, and one will be an international, but that is the way it goes. We sold players in the past, and that will continue to be the case going forward. That's football, and that is this league. The realist in me is <clears throat> screaming and dancing at the minute because I I love honest managers, not brutally honest. We're the point where their opinion morphs the actual quote but this is the way it is and that's the way we have to realise that yeah. this is what our league is and we are going to have to play our best players until pretty much they get picked off and it is it's refreshing to hear from Bradzer once again the more successful we are this is McAniff won't be the last player to leave like this exactly but we've got to deal with it and we've another interview with Ronan Finn the Artane assassin as he's known in certain circles by one person and he had this to say about Joey O'Brien, who doesn't listen to the show as well. He doesn't <laughs> listen to the show. Uh, he had this to say about Joey O'Brien. For us in the dressing room, he's a huge leader, always willing to share his opinion. His game management is the best I've ever seen. Even if I'm playing in front of him at right wing back, he's constantly referencing my position. Open your body, see him coming. He's non-stop, whether it's training or in matches, his standards are so high. Even if we're 2-3-4 up, he'll be honest and he'll let, he won't let standards drop. He is a real plus for the football club across the board, even the coaching element. He loves it. On the pitch, he's never going to be anything other than an 8 or 9 out of 10. Now listen. Now listen. No messing with Joey. love how he shouts at a 33-year-old veteran round the fin the same way as he would like a Liam Scales. Yeah. 
Just Brilliant. That's it. No, yeah. no egos. Leave them at the door. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Yeah, good man, Joey. Celebrated his birthday there a few days ago. He's 35, Gar. We're, we're the same age. 35. Big yeah. Joey O'Brien. Both 35. He's achieved a little more than me, in fairness. Hopefully he doesn't put the slippers on yet. We can yeah. keep him in the boots. I like his additions to the dressing room playlist that they're doing on social media. We've had a few uh, stinkers. We have. Uh, Joey had a bit of foggy Jew. Bit of demo. Oh, had a bit of demo. Bit of demo. And uh, I, love, I love this one. No Easy Way Out. That cheesy Rocky Four song. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, Joey's playlist. Fair play to Joey. Yeah. Big um, Al. Big Al, a fan of Linkin Park. Yeah, I noticed he had a couple of controversial choices as well. Um, a couple of, you could say, blue-tinted <laughs> songs. He's talking about the Photoshop. <laughs> oh, was that, was, that was real? There's no way that was oh, real. Oh, fuck off. You're messing with me? <laughs> I have to keep... I have to, I've been only skimming the WhatsApp chat, lady. I have to. I just haven't had time. I'm only skimming it, so I have to stay. <laughs> Maloney's been hammering me. <laughs> Plus twenty four hours. I'm on that. I'm I'm like a TV channel. Plus twenty four hours. Uh, yeah. So uh, some terrible op- opinions on music. In uh, I think Leon Pauls got hammered. Mm. But yeah. So Pat Hoban has reared his ugly head again. And eighteen game season. He's been talking about saying it wasn't a proper league win, and that it's like being top of the table in June. And Pat Hoban is just. Um, I, I just I'd say his attitude stinks, and he always struck me as you know one of those kind of just wanker players, like uh, who who was one of them like a Buckley off balls or just someone that you just disliked everything about the way they run, the way they walk, the way they score, <coughs> the way they they just everything they do on the pitch. You know they just it just boils your blood and it just adds to it, doesn't it? If it was anyone else saying it, but just the fact that it's him saying like oh I wouldn't have celebrated. If we'd won an 18 game league, he'd have actually celebrated harder than anybody. Yes, yes, to to boil piss, to annoy fans. That's what he'd do. Remember him celebrating the goal in front of the sales stand? Yes, the belly, the belly gesture. How I enjoyed giving him grief after that. Oh. After that three two. Once again we brought it up. You can't you can't stay away from a prof. I noticed that he accepted his top goal scorer award for twenty twenty. Yep. Spiped in eighteen games. It's not real. He's sure proud of the reduced FAI Cup and the Less teams and one legs. Exactly. They're more real, apparently. So, yeah. Okay, so here up next, we have our worst 11. And this is a very, very enjoyable segment. For some reason, I get joy out of people talking about how shy players are. <laughs> it's a little bit more interesting at times than it is talking about your best <laughs> 11s. So, we've picked a selection of a, a gang of people who've uh, picked our starting 11. So, yeah, Gareth, the return of the Tifties hotline. Tifties hotline. The worst Boing! 11. I had to do that. I had to get one of them in. So, uh, the first two, because we we started this a year ago, uh, it was originally planned to be a Patreon video feature. That's why the first two people you hear is done in an interview style. And then the remaining nine, they were sent in over the phone. They were speaking on their own. And uh, so these were the rules. 4-4-2 formation. And it was first come, first serve. So how many options you had available to you depended on where you were in the queue. So once the player was named, that was it. He was no longer available. So the fan who stepped up first had the whole pitch to choose from. And then by the time, by the time it comes to good old Tommy Tarmy at the end, <laughs> his hands are tied. He's only one position to fill. <laughs> so them's the breaks. Them's so, are the breaks. 
So here it is. Okay, it's time for our Rover Sports 11 feature. And we're going to get 11 different fans to choose who they think is the worst ever players to wear the Hoops jersey. So the ones who are absolute shite, pretty much. So we got Paul Dunster doing it, who's going to get the first pick. So you have, you can pick the position, you can pick the player, you have free reign at this stage. So uh, who have you gone for? I think, I think I might know. Yeah, yeah, no, you, I th I'm gonna go with the low hanging fruit here and uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely carry a Gilbert. Yeah, uh, expand on that. Right, uh, So, probably the worst for our season since relegation 2012. Like, the whole season was a disaster now from start to finish, but. Like Kerry Gilbert came in with such a big pedigree, like he played for Arsenal, he played in the Champions League, and you're just like, geez, what's he doing here? Like, but we, we take it anyway, but oh, just from day one, he was just absolutely awful. Like, and he came in with the reputation of having set up Henri in a Champions League game, and he had the whole aura about him. And I remember seeing him in his first game, 2 1 against Drada away, and I said to the prof, Jesus, this fella looks alright. So, was there a point in time when you thought he is absolute dirt? I, I don't actually remember the point in time, but I, I remember like his worst performance was when we got the was it the EA Sports Cup final. We got beaten by Drogheda, and he was fuck. He was awful. He was absolutely awful. And like we were up there in Block P in the East stand and he was obviously playing right right full. So he was right there in front of us, and like we were just going. F we weren't giving him abuse, but just shouting at him, and he tapped his back pocket. Now that the money gesture is yeah. the. The death yeah. blow for me. Yeah. The money gesture, and you're you're gone. I was like, what? I think what's he doing now? I think he's a gym instructor, and there was some sort of accusation, which I won't think of a name. But listen, um, so talk talk about the era. We talk about the era. The manager that signed him. Who was the manager that signed him? Was it Nutty? No, it was Stephen Kenny. Stephen Kenny. It was Stephen Kenny. But it was actually it was funny enough. Now talking about managers, uh, around that time, I was in one Saturday afternoon. I was in Brogans in uh, in Dame Street, and I met. Richard Dunn, he was out, he played for Villa at the time. Right. So I went up to talk to him and ask him how Enda was getting on, because Enda would have just gone. But he's with Vinnie Pert. That's so, a bit random, isn't it? Well, they would have been from the same neck of the woods, maybe. They were with Vinnie Pert, so like, so I was kind of asking, uh, I was kind of asking him like, how Enda's getting on, he was saying, ah, oh, it's great, all this and all, and he was going, ah, oh, you're Robertson. I was like, yeah, yeah. So he said, I see you saw your man, Kerry Gilbert, like, so he's, quite, like he's a really, really good sign. Like, like Richard Dunn was saying, you go, that's a, and I was going, yeah, said, that sounds something good. So, Your scaling credentials are going out the window yeah, now, Richie. Yeah, yeah, so, is that that, where is it? So that? Who, can you remember who he replaced and who he kept out of the team? And I think the players that he came in after, can you remember who he was keeping out of the team? I, to be honest, with you, that, I, 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 I think it was Sean Gannon. It probably was. Yeah. I think he kept Sean Gannon out of the team. It would have been actually Sean Gannon because Sean Gannon, I think, played one or two games. I think we played a like a league cup game or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it actually would have been Sean Gannon, and I think Sean Gannon basically left but after yeah. because of that as well. So that just doubles down. <laughs> so that's what that's what you're dealing with. So we officially have our first entry into the worst Rovers all-time eleven, and it is Kerry Gilbert. Okay, we're here for the Shamrock Rovers all-time worst eleven. So so far, Craig Gilbert has been picked. So that's right back. Uh, that's sewn up. So you've got ten other positions you can choose from. We've got Kieran Stafford here. So Staff, who is your pick? Dan Devine has to go in there. Um, only on the basis that, in fairness, I'll probably chow it's all under the bus with this. But when he was with Fairhouse, he was ranting and raving about this fella coming back from Villa, saying he was he was going to be so good and it was a great sign and all that. And just now, there was one game in particular. I can't even remember how he played, but I'd say throughout the 90 minutes, he gave away the ball 
every single time he got on it. Missed every header. He was just it was a car crash of a sign. So comfortably down the point. You might be talking about the Limerick game, is it? Because it might have been his last appearance for us. He played the first half, nearly got sent off, and was got the hook. That actually, now that you say it, does sound familiar because I just remember every single time, and it wasn't like like you know exaggerating, saying like oh, I mean, it was one or two times. Every time he got the ball, he gave it away. He was he was he was really bad, and particularly and like maybe we weren't being a bit harsh, but the fact that Ed was always going on about him so much, saying how good he was going to be, and all oh, this fella's been with Villa, and he was just oh, he was so bad. He really was awful. I was about to say, he did come from a good pedigree. He had played with Graham Burke at Aston Villa, so there was a little bit of hype around him when he came in. That was a good Villa team, like Borky, Mikey Drennan was there as well. Like, so, like there was, there was, everyone was going on about how good Villa were, were doing in that department at the time. And I remember everyone, even when he first signed, everyone saying, like, oh, how good a sign and this potentially could be. It's, you know what it's like? It reminds me of Kevin Towner. Everyone saying how good Kevin Towner was going to be when he came back. Another stocking. Just awful. Do you remember that photograph when Stephen Bradley announced some of his first signings that season? So you had Pico Lopez, Ryan Connolly, Paul Curry, and Dan Devine. So one, a huge success story, and the other three, not so much. Yeah. Probably being a, a fairness, you can't really pass comment on the Curry situation. That kind of was out of everyone's hands. But um, Particularly when you look at with how good Pico like, I, I'm, I was always one of Pico's critics for years but as I said to someone recently I, I, I can't I can't remember anyone who's gone from being such an average player to such to probably one of the best centre-halves in the league in the space of 12 to 18 months he's been unbelievable for particularly the last 12 months so listen if you can get one good one out of four you can't really complain about it can you? Oh yeah Jason Maloney here yeah I think I have the perfect centre-half to play alongside Dan Devine yeah back in 88-89 season um, we just left Hulk after the boycott season and Old King had took over and he had to quickly assemble a set of players to be able to field the team uh, for the season that year. Made some good signings, some not so good ones. Signed the centre-half from England called Andy Moore. Yeah, initial expectation was he looked alright, he was good in the air, won a few headers, but it became very evident, very clear that he was pretty slow. Played centre-half but beside uh, Barry Murphy, so there were a few mishaps during that season. Uh, we played Cork, and we were playing Cork, um, I think it was November in 88, and he was beginning to win the fans over. He scored a header against Cork to put us 2 1 ahead, and looked like we were going to see the game out and get a very, you know, precious victory at that stage. Cork got a corner in the last minute, and the ball comes into the box, and the ball dandy inexplicably jumps up and catches the ball. Everybody's just dumbfounded looking at each other, what the hell's going on here? Ref. Towards the penalty kick, they scored two all, two points dropped. Apparently after the game he was asked what happened and he said he thought he heard the ref blowing the full-time whistle. So he jumped up and grabbed the ball. Unbelievable. Of course, from then on he was never called Andy Moore. He was therefore going to be called Handy Moore. And I think it was all downhill from then onwards, you know. Uh, his form didn't get any better after that. Uh, Rovers got to the Cup semi-final that year and... On the way, we played a team from Donegal called Kuldaff. Uh, we played them away from home. So the team went up to Libby Four and he stayed in a place called Moville. As a transport, three of our players were dropped the next day because they had broke a curfew and went out drinking in the, in the town in Moville. And they missed the game. Um, and, and he was one of them, Ricky McAvoy. The name escapes you, the tour might have been. So they were therefore called the Moville Three. So I was involved in the fanzine at the time, uh, the Glenmore Gazette. 
and obviously we did a feature on, on the Marvel 3 shortly afterwards, you know, there's a couple of articles and a few cartoons, I think Mick Connery went doing the cartoon, and that's time we, we used to drink in the bar afterwards, and Daily Mount, Daily Mount was our home ground at the time, we used to drink and mix with players afterwards, so I think people knew that myself and Tommy Connery were actually doing the fanzine, so it was after a, a match not long after, called off, and I'm in the bar, and Andy Moore walked towards me, and he just looks at me and goes, do you fancy yourself as a bit of a fucking journalist? And I just stopped and I just looked at him and said, do you fancy yourself as some kind of footballer? And that was it. He just looked, looked at me and so he just walked away. And that was it. Mad stuff. So that was pretty much, you know, Andy's involvement. I think he lasted one season. Played most, most of our league games at centre-half that year. It was, it was a mad season. Again, we were just glad to have a team to put on the park after what happened after Middletown and after Tolkien. He left us, I think he went back to... I think he played for Lincoln, he came, he played for Grimsby Lincoln before us. I think Lincoln were one of the first teams relegated from the old English Football League when they started the pyramid system when someone came up from the conference and he played for them afterwards. And I remember reading in when Saturday comes fancy that he was actually done and arrested. He was caught in possession of Speed. Very ironic that because Speed was something he really never exhibited when he played for us. Yeah, old Handy Moore, blast from the past. Carl Kearns, original Tifties WhatsApp member. The worst footballer I've ever seen play for Shamrock Rovers was a centre forward from Scotland. Not that one. Um, it's a fellow combat, Cameron, who was signed by Roddy Collins to start the 2005 season. He thoroughly unforgettable spell. I've actually spoken to people about him, and so many people don't remember him, which is probably a good thing for them. The game that really stands out was his debut against Bowles. It's the only game I really remember him playing and he was absolutely hopeless he ran like he had a parachute on his back he covered every blade of grass because he was chasing his first touch all the time and he never looked in any danger of scoring a goal he was absolutely useless he actually gave me hope that one day I could actually play for overs he, he was that bad um, he'd spent the previous two seasons in Scotland I think he did a year at St Mirren and then he signed for Gretna, who were going through the leagues at the time. He scored 17 goals the year before he signed for us, so it was reasonable to expect that he was going to be half decent. Um, but it never transpired at all. I think he ended up falling out of the team. I think Lee Feeney took his, his space. There's loads of players that probably could have picked over the last few years, but like the likes of Zaya, Ed and Quigley maybe, but you knew they were they had some technical ability and they weren't, weren't bad players as well. Cameron just had nothing, God bless him. He left us after five games, I said. It was a short spell and he ended up going back to Scotland and playing in non-league football there. And I think he disappeared out of the game not long after. But Roddy used to bring over these mad players from all over the place and few of them ever worked out. And Cameron was definitely one that did not work out. Um, and luckily for most people, they forgot about him. But unfortunately, I haven't been able to do that. But yeah, I feel like I'm being harsh on him now, but the worst player I've ever seen play were Rovers. This is McDermott Ferris, and I, like Carl, have gone for a striker. It was a tough choice for me between Padraig Dully and Paul Stokes, but in the end, I've gone for Stokes, who was signed by um, manager Mick Byrne on a Bosman ruling in 1997, which was a bit of a novelty. Stokes had been playing up in Cliftonville and was out of contract, so... Um, we signed him with with high expectations. He, he'd started a, his career in 
Waterford. He'd scored in his debut in the League of Ireland and then he went to Newry um, before he went to Solitude. And he was their top scorer the previous season before he came to Rovers. He got 18 goals. Um, but that was more goals than he got for appearances with Rovers because he only managed to get three league goals in 17 league appearances for Rovers. Um, and that was a disappointing thing. We ended up being so reliant on on Tony Cousins that season. Having said that, he did score a late winner in a Dublin derby against Bowes um, in a 1-0 win, which is nice to, to to have in your CV, but that was about it. Um, that was Rovers' first goal in over nine hours of football, just really lacking goals all that season. Um, but I mostly remember him for another derby in, in Daily Mount, um, where we lost our Leinster Senior Cup crown. We'd won it the previous year, one of the first trophies I'd ever seen uh, Rovers win um, and we were in the semi-final against Bowes in, in Denimer Park in, in February and uh, Rovers player went down injured and Bowes uh, put the ball out of play and Stokes went to give him back the ball afterwards and so over hit his pass it cracked off the crossbar I can only imagine the riot if it had gone in uh, under the goal uh, and he was also to blame for us to going out we, we'd gone 1-0 up and Jay Colwell had scored I think probably the quickest goal I've ever seen scored for Rovers. I think it was inside 15 seconds. Uh, match finished one all and went to penalties. Tony Cousins, of course, he scored his penalty. Uh, but then Richie Purdy missed his. Jason Colwell missed the next one. And then, crucially, Stokes missed the last one and Rovers went out. Bowes went on to, to beat Cherry Orchard in, in the final. Stokes left for Colerain at the end of that season. He played there for a couple more seasons and, and that was about it. So, um, didn't earn too many honours during his career, but um, has earned the the privilege, shall we say, of being in the the Rovers' worst worst eleven. Michael Kearns, yeah, just coming back to you on your request for the worst ever Shamrock Rovers player that I have ever seen. Um, there's certainly been a good few, that's for certain. Um, but I think the period around eighty eight, eighty nine, where the club were really struggling after the diabolical situation that the Kilcoyne family left us in um, with no stadium, no player to play and being a homeless club. The budget was obviously on the floor. It was all about just trying to keep the club alive um, and fulfil the fixtures and, you know, just get a team out every week, which is a mammoth task. But the, the manager at the time, I'm nearly certain, was Noel King. Um, now, in fairness to him, he didn't have a big budget. He was really struggling to get players in so we were scrimping and scraping and trying to put a team together from any, any anywhere we could um for that season but there's a lad from crumlin called mick mick garman mick um mick came from st james's gate he was a left full um very honest lad you know gave everything he could but he just just couldn't hack it and not a chance could he hack it but um, I would say that was that was the one that I say always oh, stuck out, Jesus. And I often see Mick every show and again say, Mick, you are absolutely brilliant. But uh, we have a laugh about it. Um, he was delighted to play for the club. He always said that is an honour. Um, particularly coming back on the back of the Ford in a row team, just even playing that jersey after that. But he said it was fantastic. But uh, it was just amazing that... Uh, we kept the team on the on the road and, and the fans galvanised the club to, to, to not collapse after after the sale of Milltown because we all know the stories what happened. But I say Mick, Mick was the Mick was the Mick was the one that would fulfil your uh, question. Um 
where he went after. I'm not sure where he went. I think he dropped down into, into Leinster Senior League and maybe, you know, one of the two clubs around there. But uh, he was a left full. And no King signed him. And it was Mick Garman. So uh, that's it. Talk soon, lads. Keep on hooping. Hi, everyone. Hugh O'Connor here. Wow, that is a horrendous-looking Rovers team so far. But we need to get some midfielders in on it. And for me, the one midfielder that stands out as being the worst I've ever seen at Rovers is Willow McDonough. Now, there was plenty of competition in the 2004-2005 team for the worst-ever Rovers player. But Willow, for me, shades it. Simply because he summed up the Roddy Collins culture at the club. R- Roddy, he was Roddy's cousin, I believe, and he had followed him from various clubs to cl- club. He started at Bowes, he was a Carlisle with him, and he, then he went to Monaghan after Rovers. So at four clubs, Roddy took this guy along. For me, he was the worst consistent starter, maybe more so than the worst ever actual player. Like, the players who had one or two games were terrible, but Willow played first team week in, week out. The problem was he has absolutely no pace, he had no technical attributes. He couldn't do a thing. He was energetic and he ran around, but the pro- that created a problem with his discipline. He was consistently getting booked. He was consistently getting sent off because he was simply so far off the pace. His foot was always late. At one point, he got sent off again. I think he took about 10 bookings in that season. And he got sent off and he got a long enough ban. I think it was five games. And within those five games, Rovers went on actually quite a good run. I think they won three of the games and drew two and then after his five game suspension was up Roddy put him back into the team and Rovers immediately started losing again so he was he had come from Carlisle so the pedigree could you could argue was there but you have to remember then Carlisle around that time got relegated out of the English Football League so to me there's in terms of midfielders there's absolutely no question Willow McDonough at every level he had no business being playing at League of Ireland level he had no um, business being at a club like Rovers in terms of how he was signed, by who he was signed, why he was signed, and the consistent and the belief that he had something to offer, and then being put back into the team when it was clear he, it didn't work. So for me, Willow McDonough, worst midfielder to ever play for Rovers. Hi, my name is Gareth Brennan, and here's my nomination to a Rovers worst eleven. Um, there was a few contenders with probably honourable mentions going to the likes of Craig Walsh, Ross Chisholm, Cameron King, and Killian Brennan. But I'm going to opt for a left winger and the standout for me is Darren Meenan. Uh, like any Rovers fan, I imagine we uh, we always go into a new season with a huge amount of optimism. And when Brad's are brought in Meenan from Dundalk in 2016, after him being pretty much a mainstay at the Dundalk team that won the three league titles in a row, I was over the moon. Uh, I think he... I pretty certainly started the first three or four games probably played 90 minutes in all of them and then gradually after that game time started to dwindle down to a point where about halfway through the season I don't think he was even named in a match day squad from there until the end of the season obviously leaving us um, don't know if anything happened in the background but it was very apparent that something was wrong Um maybe his attitude or was there a particular incident that went on that no one knows but um, yeah who knows what happened but uh, eventually moved on to Longford and then to Athlone and I believe he is now playing for Moctis in the Leinster Senior League Um, such uh, such a rapid fall from grace for a player that came to us as a league champion and was probably very highly regarded 
in the across the League of Ireland. But uh, yeah, it was it was so disappointing. Probably the most disappointing I've been in in any signing we've uh, we've ever made him. For that reason, he's my nomination for the worst Rovers eleven. Hey, you lads! It's Orla Stanford of another midfielder for your worst eleven, Killian Brennan. It's probably a bit of an odd one to have someone in your worst eleven who's played for us twice, but it definitely warrants uh, a name. And I put him alongside Willow in the middle of the park. Kenny signed them originally in that like 2012 season that we'd all love to forget, particularly after the highs of the 2011 one. Um, Bar the Pats fans now, like he's a bit of a club hero there, but he's generically disliked in the rest of the league. So when I heard he was signing, I wasn't exactly oozing confidence, but I do like a good balls to rover success story. So I kind of hope those are a bit wrong. Um, like in 2012, we weren't expecting the likes of Jack and we definitely weren't feeling Irish internationals in the middle of the park. We wanted lads to come out and play with a passion, play for the jersey, respect the club, number one, um, and just generally play with a good attitude. And Brennan just couldn't have been further from that. His attitude was abysmal, just swanning around the pitch. Um, I remember seeing he did a Pat Stream 11 and he picked himself. So <laughs> that's the kind of attitude that doesn't really fit with us. And I was trying to get the positives when I heard he was signing. So I was thinking, right, he's good from a dead ball. Expecting maybe a few of them. But in his first spell, there was only a, a free kick against Pats in, I think it was the EA Cup. Um, and one against Bray. And that, that was it. Um, the only defence for him I'd have is that he was played out of position a few times. Um, but I think the biggest frustration for Rovers fans is that we knew he was a good player, but his attitude just prevented him from having any success with us. Um, it was de- like it was definitely proven because when he went to Pats after he left us, he won a league and he got the player of the year. So the skill set was there. Um, I was kind of shocked to see him come back the second time with Fenlon. Um, none of us were, were really getting that decision. And he'd been really, really vocal about how demanding the fan base had been. And then they gave him a two-year deal. So obviously it didn't last. He was gone before the end of the first season. Um, but like he doesn't exactly have many memorable moments. There there was that cracker over in the Indian pre-season against the Argentinian 23s. Um, but for me, the, the standout memory is uh, when Stephen McPhail headbutt him. When he was with Pats. Good man, Stephen. KOH, lads. See you soon. Hi, Peter Murphy here, and it's been left to me to nominate a player for the right wing position in our all time Rovers Worst 11. Uh, no player jumped out at me immediately for this, uh, but after doing a little bit of research, the only standout candidate for me was Paddy Kavanagh. Um, uh, and although he was by no means the worst player to, to play for Rovers, I think he does merit inclusion in this uh, lineup for a couple of reasons. Paddy joined us in the uh, mid-season transfer window of 2009, which was, of course, Michael O'Neill's first year in charge. Uh, he mostly recruited from outside the league that, that particular first year. So Paddy Kavanagh, you could say, was one of his first recognisable signings in that he was coming from another League of Ireland club and would have been 
a standout player during his time at Bray Wanderers. So he was coming to Rovers with a fair bit of a reputation and, and quite a bit of pressure on his shoulders. He did actually score in his home debut quite a good goal um, in a, a cup match against UCD. But it was pretty much all downhill from there, particularly when you consider that he was he ended up staying with the club for two and a half years. He didn't leave us until the end of 2011, uh, joining Shells uh, shortly after Michael O'Neill departed the club. Um, but I can I can scarcely think of anything positive contributed to Rovers during that time. Um, there's a couple of standout negatives that jumped out for me, and that was one was the uh, own goal he scored against Pats in the Cup semi final in 2010, and then of course there was the penalty miss in the uh, penalty shootout against Sligo in the final itself. Uh, even though all four players missed the penalty in that final, it's it's much easier to forgive a player such as Gary Twig a penalty miss when he scores 20 league goals a season for you. Uh, it's a different case for Paddy Kavanagh who has. Nothing in the credit side, so to speak, uh, in terms of his contribution to the club. Uh, so in that respect, I think he, mer- he merits inclusion in this. Um, but of course, there's also the factor that he would have gone on to play for Bowes. Now, he did sign for Shells after us and uh, scored a two-all draw for Shells in, in, in Tala that 2012 season, which turned out to be uh, Stephen Kenny's second-last game in charge of Rovers. So you could say he was partially responsible in getting Stephen Kenny to sack from Rovers. Whether that's a positive or not is another issue, but it just goes to show he, he became one of these players that would perform for other clubs when he failed to perform for Rovers. And the fact that he did in particular for Bose, uh, I suppose that rankles more than anything else from a Rovers perspective. Because if you have a player that you know underachieves for you but goes on to become a bit of a cult figure at one of your rivals, then I think that that's uh, one of the one of the main factors for why you'd like to include him in a in a an all time Rovers worst eleven. So by no means uh, the worst player of all time, but uh, the fact that we saw his capability at other clubs, in particular Bowes, I think he's still with them after five or six years now, and having been with Rovers during one of our most successful periods of all time. I mean, the twenty eleven season in particular, I had to go back and check that he was still with us then, because even though it's one of our all time most successful periods. I, I can't think of anything at all he did during that time. I, I, I can scarcely remember him being with the club. He was a little bit unfortunate with in, injuries and he was in and out of the squad uh, uh, during his time here. But for somebody that came to the club with a, quite a bit of a reputation and a lot of expectation, he just failed to deliver. And uh, in that, for that reason, I think he, uh, Paddy Cavanaugh deserves to be part of the, this team. Tommy, Tommy speaking. suppose it's up to me to keep, pick a keeper for this worst Rovers eleven. Alan Kane came to us from Pats at the start of the 1992-93 season after Dave Henderson left to go to Bowes. Kane had replaced Henderson at Pats as well and was one of at least seven new signings that summer as Ray Tracy renewed the squad to comply with the much tighter weight structure. This exercise saw player costs cut by over 50%. Unfortunately, it proved to be something of a false economy. Although Pats had a pretty ropey defensive record with Kane between the sticks, he got in the team straight away as it was felt that our keeper at the time, or our other keeper at the time, Paul Kavanagh, who'd been first choice before Hendo, was likely to struggle with the newly introduced back pass rule. Unfortunately, Kane was far worse in that respect, and actually he was probably the ultimate goalkeeping Dracula when it came to crosses. These two falls meant that he was involved in defensive mishaps on an almost fortnightly basis, although he was a decent shot-stopper. These blunders, which included letting the ball over his head against Pats at Harold's Cross and Bowes at the RDS, were a major drag on the team's performance that year. The loss of those two matches 1-0, and other home defeats to mid-table sides like Derry and Limerick, which both followed mistakes Kane made with the ball at his feet, meant that the team didn't qualify for the top six that season. Fortunately for everyone's sanity, he was dropped after the Limerick game just before Christmas. Although the best, or possibly the worst, was yet to come, 
as he was largely at fault for a Leinster Senior Cup to final defeat to Bowes at Dalier. In those days, Rovers fans were all at the tramway or shopping centre end and Kane had a cross headed out of his hands right in front of us after he was outjumped by Bowes' giant midfielder, Pat Fennon. <sighs> right, so the team again. Very enjoyable segment, Prof, I have to say. Very enjoyable. That Tommy Tommy great... once again makes me laugh every time I hear him. Yeah, you're right, it is just very entertaining. Listen <laughs> to people shit on players. It's gas. So we've got Alan Kane, 92-93 season. Kerry Gilbert, 2012, who I still remember. Do you ever get one of those like vivid memories? They just stick in your head for some reason. I remember sitting beside you, out in that <laughs> stand, one where you could barely get a seat in. We actually sat in the stand that day, and I said, this fella looks good. I, I, I remember you said. <laughs> oh, God. So we down the Vine, 2017 as well. I'm sure there's a lot more that are worse than him. Is that? Do you think that's a warranted spot for him? That game, the staff is talking. Why the only one to think he was good in the first few games? He was good in the balls game. I don't know. But that that Limerick game that we discussed, that's the single worst centre half performance <laughs> I've ever <laughs> seen. Like, oh god, I can't wait to interview these guys. So tell us, how do you feel? <laughs> With Andy Moore, a handy Moore as he was known to Jason Maloney, and we Mick Gorman. 1988 season, so both of them would have played together. So, uh, post Milltown wasn't too wasn't too uh, enjoyable to watch. Well, that's when Noel King just had a bag of balls trying to yeah. put a squad together. Paddy Cavanagh, 2009, 2011, and I totally, totally agree with this one. I feel that I remember I remember that goal well in the, in the south on the main stand watching that goal. I think it was a left footed cracking shot, sunny day against UCD. I thought to myself, this fella is going to be a player. Turned out he was terrible. Remember the own goal. Uh, the own goal was a bullet header I got reminded of that last night by Pat's fans uh, Killian Brennan uh, 2012 and 2016 uh, he gets we should put him, I, I would have put the brother in as well But think about that right you're talking to fans of other clubs around Europe or whatever right he's a hero and, in you're, and you're like, like oh, give us your worst 11 there and you call out someone yeah we signed them in 2012 and 2016 and they'd be like sorry what yeah yeah, we signed him again. We brought him back. Absolutely horrendous. Horrendous waste of money and effort and everything. Horrendous. Uh, Willow McDonough, I adored listening to this. <laughs> this was the biggest hammering of any player I've ever heard. It felt personal. It was great. It felt personal. I was just thinking to myself, he is absolutely butchering this fella. Do you, so, see, do you see when I put up on Robert's chat, I was like, who's the worst midfielder? And the first reply was by... It was by Hugh. It was like, Willem McDonough, close the tread. <laughs> yeah, he's so bad. I was surprised at Darren Meenan from Gary Brennan now. Because I can un- I can understand it. But I thought there would have been someone else. But when you think back on it, with the he was dead. with the, I looked at his stats and his assists post-Rovers. Or pre-Rovers. It was unbelievable. He had some crazy Mad amount, amount of, of assists. assists. And yeah. I thought, this fella is going to be a player. I actually didn't believe the assists. I, I messaged a few people. I was like... 34 or something like that. 40 assists something like that in two seasons I was like this fella is outrageous he was way more than that was ma- major major assists yeah. and we were thinking well, but Gar made a lot of sense because he did fall into obscurity like he just fell he disappeared totally totally disappeared yeah in terms of expectations you could argue out of these 11 players no one failed to live up to expectations more than me. yeah definitely gets that prize like, yeah Killian Brennan okay he came in as a league winner but I didn't actually expect Killian to be amazing for us. No, I I, ne- I kind of just thought, oh, you know, fresh start. Yeah, we'll see what you can do. No. 
didn't. I don't know what I expected to be honest, but yeah, mean and I did think he would be good. And then and up top we had Martin Cameron two thousand and five and Paul Stokes ninety seven to ninety eight. So two absolute stinkers up top. Um, I like my diary talking about Stokes. Yeah, trying to put the ball out of the plane. He hits the crossbar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so some of them were just really yeah. bad. Yeah, so good stuff there from our from our listeners. We had Arda Stanford making our tip debut here. That's it. Uh, thanks, Arda, for reminding me the time that McPhail headbutted Killian Brennan. Yeah, that was great. That made that my was day. Great. Actually, I actually remember, I forgot that. Yeah. And you say Hugh was your favourite there. We, we we did have Hugh on once before, but it was it was very brief. It was only two minutes after we had a, like a poxy one all draw with Limerick. Yeah. That was brilliant though. He just and, cut uh, him down. I got his post-match reaction. I remember talking to him a couple of years later. I was like, yeah, my only podcast appearance was that, that poxy draw. Like, <laughs> um, I love how the wax still sees that player. That yeah. He picks. He's like, you're shy. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> I, still, I still see him now again. I tell him, Jay's you're brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was listening to this last night yeah. and uh, one of the lads was in it and he was saying, I fucking wouldn't let him talk to me like that because he was listening to the whack. He goes, I fucking bores them. <laughs> I said, well, I said, no, I think he knows him. I think he knows him. He takes the piss. Because it doesn't matter. He fucking take the piss out of me every time I saw me. So I was, I was, I was cracking up. Yeah, yeah. Tomer and Russell Payne, they got kind of got mentioned. Tomer was all right. He had people. some good games. Iceland away, he was brilliant. He was brilliant over yeah. there. But just based on his 2018 season, yeah, he was terrible. Yeah. But Alan Kane, though, if you're out jumped by Pat Fennan, yeah, you're, that was brilliant. You automatically go in the worst level. Midfield colossus. So, um, yeah, what, what was your idea? Right, my, my worst level, I did this a while ago. So I'm going to start with Horgan. You need to have a neck to be a goalkeeper. You haven't got a neck. You're obsessed with his... He hasn't got a neck. Not right? a neck. He just, he just couldn't hack it. He wasn't good enough. He, he had one or two good games in a row, maybe. But other than that, he just wasn't good enough. He opinion. was unlucky, though, because... He was he was turning around a bit. He had a good a good couple of performances. Then he got an injury at Richmond, I think it was. And then Gavin Bazuna came in the following week. Yeah, 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 yeah. True, but I just yeah. uh, listen. I'm putting him in. Uh, Connor Pell, probably the most average defender I've ever seen. He's like he's like do you know if you had toast, you slightly <laughs> overcooked it, and you didn't butter it. That's the type of player he'd be if he was a food. I think that's him. Devine, once again, like I thought, I thought he was good at the start, but in my living memory, him and Cornwall are the worst centre halves I've ever seen. Cornwall, just every time I think of Cornwall playing for Rovers, I imagine him getting torn and chasing and gr- the arm outstretched trying to grab the striker. <laughs> every time he just got skinned, torn, and done. Uh, Gilbert has to go in there. We spoke about him. Paddy Kavanagh spoke about him. He's in on the wing. It's a 4 4 2. Two Brennans in the middle, Killian and Gavin. Two in my worst living memory. Bad attitudes. Robin Wages, absolutely terrible, terrible footballers for a football club and just never, ever fit in with the mentality. Never. I think people's memory of Gavin, though, is a bit twisted because of the off the field stuff. Yeah, no, I just didn't think he did enough. He wasn't my type of player. Scored a cracker against Bowles, scored a header, I think, against Pats. But like on the pitch, he wasn't that bad, really. Oh, I just thought he was just—he just didn't do it for me. He wasn't mobile enough. Technically, he was decent. I just thought he was really. I was disappointed by him. Yeah, he was shocking. But he, in terms of like a worst eleven, I, I wouldn't actually have him in. I tried if I could get them all in. Killian's in there all day. Now. Yeah, if I could get them all in, I would. But uh, Sean wasn't actually that bad, so he can't—he can't go in. 
Oh, you mean Ryan? Oh, Ryan, yeah. yeah. Sean was the fat one off shells, isn't he? He's the only Brendan we didn't try, try and <laughs> make a hoop. Uh, on the other wing, Prof, Damien Duff. Officially oh, the worst no. player to ever play with oh, this, this is not personal at all. No, 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 no. I just didn't, didn't couldn't no. cut couldn't cut the mustard, you know? Terrible, terrible player. Um finished. He was finished when he came and he just he, he couldn't keep the pace, you know. Imagine Damien Duff finishing his career in the lens of senior cup tie at Daily Mill. Oh god, he was, he was so bad. Imagine you said that to him ten years, like he won a Premier League medal at Chelsea. He was so bad, wasn't he? Believed you. And then two up top, two absolute buttes who flourished probably everywhere else they went Quigley and Zayed two absolute stinkers for Rovers and those are just kind of like heavyweights who didn't play for us they were good players Quigley was superb when we got Quigley from Sligo we were thinking yes this is amazing got Zayed he had a great track record for scoring goals two of them absolutely bombed for Rovers and then I think Quigley was uh, he was summed up by Weddingate wasn't he oh Quigley in terms of the talent here Quigley has to go in there. Like, just... just Such a disappointment. Just don't even it? talk to me. I'm not putting Mark Quigley in this level. But, so uh, that's mine. And manager has to be Stephen Kenny. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to... So it's a talent era worst 11, basically. Has your goalkeeper about. got a neck? Yeah. Uh, he does. <coughs> His name is uh, Tomer Hinchinski. Right, so Tomer Hinchinski is in there. for Pure, Purely based on the water for the way game. That's... I've never seen anything like that in my life. Oh my God, do you remember that? Just... Flapping at everything. Oh, wow. In fairness, he was he was he was good in the first season until the Dundalk replay and he, he had a mare, but uh to me by the way, Rob Cornwall and Sean Heaney are just interchangeable. I think they I think they were both awful. Yeah, Sean just never never could grasp the the level and the <clears throat> the standard cuz he. Dave O'Connor was just as average, although Bradzer I think put him out on the left side. Maybe it was maybe it was Fender. He didn't strike me as the, one of the worst. Now he he mm. was limited in his ability, and he did what he could. But he was he wasn't one of the worst. Now that's gonna probably create mm. a bit of an argument between certain people. But no, it was actually Nutsy. Yeah, Nutsy put me on on left back for a while. <coughs> yeah, but I just associate both Carmel and Sean Heaney with the five 0 defeat to Cork in the cup. <laughs> oh man, probably that the worst the... defensive display in Tada. And Tomer was involved uh, in that, wasn't he? Wasn't that the was that the one where he uh, went out to no, the sideline? This, this is the year before. I always mix those up, don't I? Or was the that the year before now? that. Um, so, like I say, I'm not putting Gavin Brennan in there. As much as I hate him, I do hate him. But Kenny and Brennan, this guy's a shoe in for me. Keith Fahey. Ke- you always stick to this one. Now, Keith's a, Keith is what you'd call a friend of the show. And believe it or not, he's actually no interest in football anymore. He's, he said, Oh, yeah, I'll come on the show. Once I'll talk about football. Like, Fuck talk about cooking are we like I mean <laughs> so we'll, we'll try and get him on eventually yeah. lovely fella but he is in profs worst 11 he had so he's much in. potential coming in though like potential but we high hopes haven't we yeah I, I said earlier about mean and being nobody came in more expectations maybe Fahey have um because he come, yeah because true. he came back to Pats won the cup with them Seemed to be in the form of his life again. Hopefully this doesn't affect our five-a-side selection now. Prof. <laughs> Hopefully you haven't killed us off here. And then, obviously, yeah, we were knocked out by Pats in the Cup. And he was bad, Pats' best player on the night. Mm. And that was the last game at senior level. Um, And then up front, we have, yeah, Mark Quigley. Absolutely no idea about that. But instead of Zayed, I'm going to go with Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill was somebody that 
definitely didn't live up to expectations, but he is revered by every other striker he's played with. We've had quite a few players in the show Gary who, Twig, who have told us uh, he was their best opponent and stuff. A good few. A good few players said he was just absolute dream to play with, but he just frustrated us so much. Do you remember like he he'd be picking up the ball in front of the back four? And you're looking at him going, Why are you there? <laughs> what are you doing in that position? He just frustrated he me a lot. He couldn't hit a barren door for no, us. No, he couldn't. And a lot of the time he didn't want to shoot. Didn't we give him a pity penal as well? Didn't we give him a penal, I think? Who was that against? I don't know. We won a penal and they were like, yeah, just give it to him. Make him score. Like. I think he scored about twice in 40 games. And one of them happened to be the Satanta Cup final. So that put a bit of a shine on it. Yeah. But just didn't look like scoring ever. No. He just said, yeah, you're right. Couldn't hit a barn door. He could form a good partnership with people. He did all the dirty work yeah. and set them up. I'd love to know how many assists mm. he had. That's an interesting one. Now, that'd be tough to get a hold of. So yeah, there, there's there's both our worst levels. More importantly, Gary, any thought on uh, Mitzi's dream team eleven? Um, Mitzi is currently is he the Tifty's mascot? <laughs> He's is that a bit, I don't know. Is that disrespectful? Obsessed with dream team. If you all don't, if you for some I, of the younger uh, listeners, dream team it was like a ten season program, and it was based on a team in a fictional place in Harchester. They're called the Dragons. They're the purple kid. If you're in and around maybe 25 to 35, a little bit older, it's it's one of the programmes that kind of morphed your and blended your childhood into the love of football. It was a brilliant, brilliant show. I opened up my phone this morning before going to work. Just checked on back a message I missed. And I think a few lads were talking about Bizzunu. Is Like you said earlier, he's he's getting more action than any other Irish keeper in the English yeah. leagues. I think that was the last message. And then the next one was about three or four in the morning. Just apropos of nothing. Three five two. My dream team eleven. And we hadn't heard from him in about two months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he just disappeared and then comes back with a, a couple of chapters on Dream Team. <laughs> <laughs> what a show. What a man. Monday Bandili. Right, so uh, the Rovers online quiz was won by anonymous participant, fair play, whoever he was. And uh, there is still a Stewart's inquiry going on into mm-hmm. this win. It is dodgy enough as it is, so um, we will be we will be investigating into it. So uh, Peter Murphy, the defending champ, had this to say: "My performance in tonight's hashtag Quiz of Champions was all a bit like Dundalk 2020 title challenge. It was if the quiz was over 96 questions instead of 48, I might have won though. <laughs> so yeah, congrats! Uh, did you come runner up? Um, no, I think he was like he says he was leading early on, yeah. and then he fell down to I don't know what was it. Yeah, but definitely Stewart's inquiry into the winner there. I think he was even outside the top ten. Was Peter? But another great success, and six Rovers players registered and took part in the night in the Quiz of Champions. We did interviews with John Tall, <laughs> Gary Shaw, fun segments hosted by the Wheats and lawyers. Who am I? The usual crack. So I actually couldn't. I had a project and work I had to get done, and I forgot all about it. I was actually going to take the night off as well because if you're gonna if you, if you work nights, I work nights. You can't go in after. You're gonna have a couple of beers and a bit of crack, but yeah. uh, unfortunately, I did miss it. But it's it was great, a brilliant, yeah. brilliant night. I was looking forward to it all week. Like, it gives you something to look forward to. Like, have a few points. That's it. And hopefully, when all this is over, and the, like, I hate that saying oh, nearly God. as much as it is what it is. I hate those sayings. But next up, hopefully, we've so much planned for when things get back to normal. We're gonna have some sort of uh, chase to. Beat the Chasers. We're going to have some sort of 
official night where we can do that and we've plenty of chasers in mind there's plenty <laughs> of people at Rovers Joey O'Brien has to be one well, I'll tell you who won't be one uh, Graham Burke or Danny Mandroyu no. because uh, yeah they ain't enough said that's all they just won't be <laughs> well I will say Burke sure knows his kitchen utensils uh, he did name a few of them uh, what like things you use every day and put food in your mouth with that's that's a that's a pat on the back is it well he was able to name lots of things in his kitchen uh, Danny needed a bit of an assist from uh, the girlfriend people could hear her whispering uh, pineapple <laughs> what, what did he not know pineapple what I was think, the question I think was this fruit and veg or something like that but, uh, like you say John Tall got interviewed by um, was that McDowell no that was Con Murphy Toller top man uh, no, but McDar- McDara was in again, so he got his bookcase, his famous bookcase in the background. And uh, I like this quote from Dave Donnelly. He said, A little known fact about McDara's bookcase is that only one of the books is Tallow Time. Oh, I like that. Yeah. When is Terrible Time coming officially? I said this actually yeah. the other day. We can't, you can officially do Terrible Time because we've won Silverware. So it would be from but, when to when? when what, what would be the, the timeline? But it's not as terrible anymore now, though. Yeah, but the ter- the terrible time did exist, so right. it it'd be it'd be for the Damascuses out there in the Rover <laughs> support. Oh my God! Do I really have to write about F- Fennan and Crawley? And <laughs> imagine you can get uh, get Tommy Tarmy in to help you write about Crawley. It's funny when you said let's do our worst eleven. I just wanted to pick the whole twenty thirteen team. Yeah, I just hate hate every one of those players. <laughs> I just hate them. Oh, I was so hate bad. the way they played. Hate the way they attacked, defended. Attacked, tried yeah. to attack. Yeah. So, uh, so McDara had his bookcase, but at least it was not a, a, a lot neater and more intricate than Winston's background in Gary. If you know what's that, that was just a few match tickets stuck to the wall with blue tacks. <laughs> you had to, you had to show off somehow, didn't yeah. you? Like Winston is great. Winston yeah. is a character. Uh, I think the sooner the sooner we have him back on, the better. Yeah. That was actually quite edited down. That interview. Uh, it was it was a bit longer than the original one. He he asked Shazzy about his injury, and he was telling about breaking his humerus. And Winston said, "Where is that? Is there near your funny bone?" <laughs> oh, uh, Shazzy's Shazzy's a great lad. He's uh, one of our one of our keen listeners. And as much as I like our Tifty's uh, merch gear, my dream is to one day have a T-shirt, a Winston T-shirt that says "40 years" underneath. Folly in the club. Follying. With a Y. <laughs> Has to be a Y. Very important. So, that, uh, that's the quiz now. Fantastic stuff. Good interview with Shazzy as well in the Leinster Leader. Don't know if you saw that. A couple of days ago. The Leinster Leader. Is that like yeah. uh, the same as the Catholic Church magazine that Joey was in? No, I think it's different. It's, it's an elite newspaper. But uh, you forget how close he came to being in the same group of Irish internationals. Like, you know, Robbie Brady and all them. If not for a couple of injuries at the wrong time, very unlucky with injuries and what age group he was in. I think he did touch on that a bit when we had him in Johnny Blues. Top he, top he, lad. He though. missed a European Championship because of injury, and who knows what, what could have happened then? But that, that's what happened. Is he turning into one of these fellas that will say at the bar, "Buy me a point, I tell you a story." <laughs> me and Robbie Kane, you gonna be one of them? <laughs> <laughs> what could have been, eh? Yeah, so uh, the Rovers media team prof have been doing a fantastic job keeping us entertained in the off season. And there's the hoops after school, which Jaden was 
on today. He had great. He had a great time with this. Pico and Lee Grace were fantastic. Uh, what did he ask him? Jaden asked him what was it like scoring the winner against Limassol into the south stand. He's obsessed with Pico scoring goals lately. He seems to think he's just he's obsessed with the similar to my fascination with him progressing as a player. But he just he's asking about the brand goal. He mm. loves late goals, so he was asking about the brand goal. And then he asked him about why he why he scores goals. He's like, why do you score goals now? Like, yeah. what, what way has? Did he ask me how he becomes a salmon now and then? Yeah, <laughs> salmon. Uh, and he was wondering what it was like to play against Ebra. So big shout out to all junior hoops and everybody involved with that. It's fantastic stuff again. It really is keeping the kids something to look forward to midweek. You know, because it's all Zoom calls and homeschooling. So it's fantastic yeah. stuff. Really is. Um, who we had we've had Aaron McInef and Aaron Green have been on it there's Sean Cavanagh and Sean Gannon the Rings End duo Joey and Finner and Pico and Lee Grace on the Zoom question air with our younger fans so really really is a fantastic one and uh, they're taking recommendations for the next one so send them in if you're part of Junior Hoops who would be good with kids who would be good with kids oh god I don't know maybe Watsy because he's probably got the mm. intellect of one <laughs> What's he in Big Al? Just Big Al with his big serious face. I'm playing the guitar for him. <laughs> playing the flute. Just be like, <laughs> I hate children. <laughs> I love peanut butter. What accent was that? I think both. I think both of our accents weren't snarly. Oh, I just went up a pitch there as well. Both went Nigerian for some reason. Nigerian. <laughs> Yeah, so we're into week four of our Eat Like Pico series, and Pico is keeping us all fed and our bellies full, so Pico shows us the nutritional meals that he cooks as part of the healthy pre-season eating preparation. He's shown us this morning's breakfast, prawn, paella, chicken curry, and most <coughs> recently, spaghetti bolognese. So Jose got in the act as well with his original paella dish, and I'd be a big fan of paella. So fantastic stuff again, showing us how to eat healthy. Pico eats uh, porridge and boiled eggs at the crack of dawn, so you could do that. Or if you're patohi... You can have a Mars bar and a packet of King for your breakfast at about 10.30. Yeah. Uh, am I doing this right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pigo is the son of a chef, so he, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, they obviously couldn't convince uh, Chef Ray to do a series. No, no, it was so very, very elusive man. Yeah. And we will get him on eventually, but quite the elusive character. Uh, Brad's stepdad, John, appeared on First Dates Ireland, so he was trying to yeah. get some love. And it's a match. And he got a match, did he? He did. I didn't get a chance to see it. So, yeah, Brad's a stepdad. He was uh, looking good. Doing the volleys. Doing the volleys on yeah. the show. Bit and of this, bit of that. Bit of this, bit of that. And, yeah, so uh, a good, good uh, few media horrors emerging out of the Rovers fan base. <laughs> so he's going to get some serious slagging when he goes in. Yeah. Oh, you can only imagine. Yeah. Especially in a dressing room. Uh, yeah, Eden Boyle has left Linfield and returned to Finn Harps and Aaron Bulger was loaned from Cardiff to Longford Town. I think Linfield pretty much just said, here is every penny we owe you. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> As he's known in my household, Eden yeah. Mess. He was, a, he was a great lad and he tried, but uh, possibly close to getting in to our worst 11. I was thinking about him, but just Gilbert... Gilbert was had, just so bad. Gilbert had just camped out in that right position in, <laughs> yeah. the, in, the, in the worst 11. Like He's just not... He's, there's no let up no budging him no, no budging him at all yes. Arnold Bulger loaned from Cardiff to Longford Town as well so uh, hopefully it goes well for him and we can do you think that was a strange one yeah I thought it was very strange um, I think I think it was dependent on the B team and they had to make a decision possibly we lost another player because of that didn't we was it, was it um, was it Sean Brennan Sean Brennan Sean Brennan went to UCD yeah, yeah. 
it's it's leaving a lot of players in limbo because they've expected to play fourth division football and now they've known. So I think they can either sign back with their 17s and 19s and continue there because they were they were young players, weren't they? There mm. wasn't that many over 19 that couldn't sign 19s. But there is going to be a percentage of players that aren't eligible for the 19s. They have to go on somewhere. They get an offer. They got to go. They want to play ball. It's ridiculous like going into late February and you don't know whether your team is going to be in the first division. Madness. It really is madness. And I was only looking at live scores there, watching through the likes of Club Rouge with 23s in a division below them. The likes of Castilla, the likes of the Barcelona Academy. All these teams that would have team would have their development teams in a couple of leagues below them. There's no issue with it. There's no issue. They can't go up, they can't go down. Well, they can't go down. But what, what's, the, what's the problem? An unfair advantage. No, it's called progression. And people are ultimately, I don't know, bitter about it. If you can do it, do it. Let's have a Bowles and Dundalk beating. Uh, like, we don't care. It really is frustrating. Bring back the A Championship, maybe. Uh, yeah, Shamrock Rovers won 58% of the vote for the Irish Independent Sports Team of the Year. Stephen Bradley accepted the award this week, saying we're only getting started. Um, brilliant, brilliant. Fantastic, fair award <laughs> given out. And really happy with the yeah. way the voting went. Absolutely no sort of interference or anything with the voting it was just everyone had one vote each around the world on their computers and it's happy yes got my vote in i was very happy with it yeah, yeah so that's, that's how it happened excellent stuff and uh, there was an article in the dublin inquirer called bohemian fc to audit its carbon football print with lots of quotes from the ceo of the european football for development network a man by the name of hubert rovers was this a joke nope this was real you couldn't make it up girl. Mm. So Hubert Rovers was there. Um, and his name was mentioned all over the article. Yeah, it was. It was everywhere. So, so as usual, uh, Rovers is mentioned more than Bose in the Bose article. <laughs> oh, Prophet Diggs. Yeah. See, the Des Kelly roof has been removed as well. Because yeah. it's unsafe. Now, you, you know what it's like when we go there. The weather is normally terrible. And you, you're huddled in there to, to just... It is, it is dilapidated, in fairness. You're huddled in there to try and keep... Some sort of atmosphere, and now it's just going to be even worse. The roof didn't even protect some people on the opening day last year. I remember. Was it Ryan? Ever seen young Ryan the way home? <laughs> God, so it like he was in the ocean. Uh, a a section like, of the roof collapsed, though, didn't it? It came off, and it just went. Whoosh. But I think he was standing just under the the edge of it. I was like, so he got it right. In I the just took one look at that weather, and like, I'm going up the back. Yeah, that's it. I don't care if I see any less. Fond of going in through a back prop, aren't you? So, uh, the home of football again. <laughs> Southampton's Alexandre Jankovic had a debut to forget after he was sent off after 82 seconds into their clash at Man United. I saw this and it was a horror, horror tackle. Actually, don't know what he was thinking. Um, it was brought back memories of a former Shamrock Rovers player, Liam O'Brien, who was the recipient of the quickest red card ever shown to a Manchester United player. He was sent off after less than 90 seconds against Southampton at the Dell, the old school Dell. Do you remember that? That's a cool name for a for a stadium in January 87 so O'Brien remembered the occasion as a fo- as follows he says I still think it was harsh it was the first tackle of the game I was devastated it was the first live game shown in Ireland and all my family and friends were watching it so he lasted a mere 82 seconds well that the Liam Bryan was 85 85 seconds, seconds yeah. 85 yeah that was the quiz question as well actually did it come up yeah yeah I'm sure you nailed it prof well I remember because it was only a few days uh, later wasn't it prof um, the UK could lift all their restrictions by June 24th according to Boris so full stadiums again not happening that's not going to happen well, don't get your hopes up probably won't happen but in, you have to admit though the UK have gotten a big lift from this true yeah which we could use 
I'm yeah. not saying lie to us. I'm just saying. I'm doing enough of that as it is. Look at the mood of the people when he went on nine that week. When that was announced. But even now the whack balls are out in force again. Organising marches. They're just coming up this weekend I think. Mm-hmm. But you've got genuine people who are frustrated now. Who are latching onto that. And I don't think they know the real agenda behind these people who are organising it. But you've genuine business owners who are just frustrated. They're losing money. They're losing savings. And they're the ones who are coming out and joining these marches as well. So... It's it's just a shit show, isn't it? It there's really just, is. There's no obvious answer. No, there's nothing. You're right. But uh, but that would be mad if, like, you know, Old Trafford and Anfield were were full by June, and we don't even have five hundred people in town. Yeah, in an eight thousand year capacity stadium. Yeah. It's crazy. We had our minds blown as well, Prof. A couple of weeks ago, former Premier League referee Dermot Gallagher has a proper Dublin accent, and his dad used to bring him to Milltown. I couldn't believe this. From Ring's End. I had no idea. I couldn't believe it, and he like never ever speaks with a Dublin accent because he's regular match feature on programs. Like yeah, they go to him and they go, "What do you think? Is this a red card?" And he's no Dublin accent at all. I couldn't believe it. Well, and he was lashing it on when he was asked about it as well. I think a lot of people knew he was Irish, but uh, I think like he said on his page and all, just I wasn't aware of it. No, but I definitely wasn't aware that he like had uh, family in, in from Rings End and all that. But he was saying, yeah, his accent changes depending on who he's talking to. So, like you say, he's the full English fella talking with Sky. And then he's talking to the off-the-ball fella. And the Dublin accent comes out. And he says he does that with his dad as well. And so, people, if he people, talks yeah. to someone from, I don't know, Jamaica. Well, if he's, on, if he's on Sky, let's say, and then his dad rings him, he'll just go f- into the Dublin. He's mad, isn't it? Must be a traitor. Yeah, there's a word brain. for it. Uh, by dialectalism. Ah, Prof looks at it. Oh, by dialectalism. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. By dialectalism. So that's yeah. that anyway. Uh, we had uh, two men who sadly passed away recently were Sean O'Flaherty and Ben Hannigan. Sean was in his 80s, was a fantastic fan, a really nice man. Ben spent most of his career with Shelbourne, but he scored five goals, 15 appearances for Rovers from 1969 to 70, playing in the famous Cup Winners' Cup win over Schalke. So our condolences to all of those who have uh, lost family members. And of course, condolences to Pat O'Toole, Wacker, famous Wacker O'Toole from Crumlin Hoops, who lost his father. So... Um, our condolences go out to the O'Toole's and anyone who knew him so a sad time for a lot of hoops yeah absolutely and um, I have a bit of a ridiculous story for you Gar go on um, I believe this gentleman is in a nursing home now but uh, my dad was talking to a home care nurse recently and he just mentioned rovers and how I'm mad about rovers now and she said said, oh yeah, I used to look after a fella uh, just around the corner there. And his house was filled with medals and memorabilia and trophies and all sorts. And uh, she, stood, she couldn't remember his full name. All she could remember was his first name. And it was Ronnie. Oh, there's not many of them. And my dad said, well, as soon as she said Ronnie, I knew what she meant. Ronnie Nolan. So, one of the most... Decorated and best ever Shamrock Rovers players, Ronnie Nolan, lived around the corner from me. <laughs> and didn't I even had know. no idea. No idea. Now, are you saying he lived in Crumlin or Kimmage? Oh, this is Crumlin. This is Crumlin now. This is like Cabins Road, Stanaway Road territory. Once again, hotbed. There you go. Hotbed. 
So 14th of February marked two years since Maureen Connolly sadly passed away. So a extremely loved member of the Rovers family who had always got a smile on her face. And uh, you're going to hear tributes from Dan Fulham, Mark Lynch, Vinnie Collins, Tony Burney, Paddy Daly, Paul O'Connell, her brother Collie and our daughter Karen. So here we go. When you think of Shamrock Rovers, a family, you think of Maureen Connolly. Rovers to the core and there's not a thing you could do to phase that. She was a really nice, thoughtful and kind person. She'd make sure you were never left out. When I started to travel away with the Tala Hoops, Maureen and John really looked after me. You know, starting with giving me my peace of mind that I'll be alright. And always true to her word, that was the case. Maureen and John really looked after me um, on my first trip in Europe. Uh, I think I was 16. Um, start the first night starting off suggesting we get into rounds of pina colada cocktails. Not telling me there wasn't any alcohol in it. I was definitely more on the sober side amongst the hoops in Estonia that night. Plenty of laughs when I copped it. Thanks, Marion. Um, just a lovely person. You know, it's it's hard to believe it's been two years already. I've missed the season badly, but I know Marion would have missed it more. My favourite memory was our last European trip together um, against Mlada Boslav in the Czech Republic. When the game ended, as we all left, I just stopped for a second, caught a sight of Maureen and John walking out, holding hands together, decked in rovers gear. It was a really nice thing looking on to see, and that's the memory I'll hold forever. Rest in peace, Maureen. You'll never be forgotten. It's Mark Lynch. Memories of Maureen. Um, Maureen was one of a kind, and a very kind lady. She would take people as she saw them, and if needed help, she'd offer it. Never waited to be asked, just went straight in. She helped out with the club tuck shop in Tolka for many years, and later times was a volunteer in the Glenmalore suite, along with Catherine, Paula and Martina. They were a formidable group of ladies, not to be messed with, I can tell you. Um, I miss the baking that Maureen would do. She'd often uh, come up with cakes and breads and bring you something on match night for the various volunteers to have something to keep them going through the through the course of the evening very sadly missed and certainly won't be forgotten maureen yeah this is phil i know john and maureen for over 40 years and there's remember the their engagement was in sheffield at a man united and Leeds semi-final of the cup but there's another thing I just remembered. Maureen must have been the first female to do Stewart at a cup final in Wembley Stadium in 1977 when Horton John got two passes to do Stewart at the cup final and the man stopped him on the gate and he says, since when did women become stewards? And the guy that he got the cards off said it was a forced time for everything so that's how long we go back maureen she was a great hoops fan obviously she came from Calvary. that made it even greater again she's a volunteer with the shamrock rovers football club and did a lot of trojan work she combined her interests with the ladies darts league and also hoops which she was a volunteer um, I've been away on trips with her, Sweden and Italy and various other 
club games. Um, she was very good, her and John, at organising fancy dress parties. She could make up some good costumes herself. Had some great times with them there. She's a bit of a brown bread expert. She make bread for matches and away trips and buses and she used to make come up to us on a Tuesday club sometimes and she bring up our brown bread, great contribution. All round good hooper. Always there to keep John on the straight and narrow. She may be gone, but she'll never be forgotten. So many memories of Maureen. Uh, my abiding memory is the time I had a, a 40th birthday party in my house and there was loads of Rovers fans, half a tally hoops, or I should say all the tally hoops were in the house that night. We had Guinness, we had Heineken, we had everything on flow. And of course, Maureen organises everything, especially the food. She was there from, I think, uh, early in the morning to late at night. I think she was the last one to leave. I made sure everyone got home okay. I know I was in bits. I went to bed early because I was pissed. But the next morning, I heard the Hoover going downstairs. This is around half ten in the morning. I said, who in the name of Jays is in my house this hour in the morning? So I got up, went downstairs. There was morning, and the whole house was spotless. Bottles and all clean. There were everything completely clean. Did it all by herself. Well, maybe Carolyn and Louise gave her a hand, but I fucking doubt it. Uh, but I do remember Marty being there that morning, cleaning up everything and making the breakfast for anyone that was there. And people just crashed where they fell. And Marty came up, hovered around them, told them to get off their arse and get out of the way so she could clean up. Everything was done. Every single thing was done. Just always looking after people. More so than herself. I even remember looking after Kieran when he was born. And even my other two kids, Liam and Sean. She was always great with them too. Always great with everybody. Above herself. A boy in the memory for her. And not just that. I mean, even our Tuesday club. She was the first person to bring up the now famous farts bread to scholars on a Tuesday night. Egg, mayonnaise and onion. I know, and it's, it's a tradition that's still going now 20 years later. But Marnie was the first one to bring it up. She brought it up with our brown bread. On a Tuesday night, we'd have cheese down, and Marnie, of course, Marnie come up down with the, with the old uh, egg mayonnaise and, uh, and onion, and her, her, of course, her famous brown bread. But I tell you, she was an absolute diamond, absolute diamond. Maureen was a real Irish mammy. To most of the Rovers crew who were close to the Connolly clan, she was, in effect, your second mother. She knew what you needed, when you needed it, and you could see her anticipating things that she felt she could help fix for you. And so she was always busy behind the scenes, putting stuff together in her own quiet way to make everyone happy. There'd often be a text message during the day to ask, are you calling over later to see John? There's dinner in the pot for you. Her home was always open. Real rovers, never a problem. It's very important to say that John and Maureen's home was always a place where you could go whether it was to sit down for hours organising flights and hotels to win a Rovers Europeans qualifiers, or if you needed a break from the shite going on in your week, if you needed a favour, some advice, or to be just told to relax the cacks and cop yourself on if you're in a temporary but unfavourable situation. That is, they're warmth, and it's down to who they are as lovely people. They are a family who would take you in. Mo made her home cosy for anyone who came in, Forever a hearty welcome there. And then the banter and the slagging would always start soon after. Her distinct cackle and laugh would fill a room. Be it darts or football on the telly, no matter the results, there would always be something said to start around the laughs. As an outsider, it was easy to call her a friend for life. 
you met and became part of the wider Connolly family as a result. And the warmth of being part of that group passed easily through you. Sure, we even managed to turn her brother Colin, who was a fervent Bowes fan, into an honorary Rovers East Stand man in the end. You'd look forward to walking in the front door down in Walkinstown, and you'd be met with the smell of Mo's famous malty brown bread. In another life, she'd have been minted from the fruits of that recipe. It was just simply superb. She'd make a batch of loaves in the one go, and she would know that the Rovers lads would only be too happy to drop in and take a large sample of it home. She was always thinking of others like that, something nice to do for them. A big group of us went to Cyprus in 2005 for a week for an Ireland World Cup qualifier. We effectively took over the apartment complex and the bar underneath for the duration, where you wouldn't see her without a windmill special cocktail in her hand, grinning from ear to ear on any particular night. We'd inevitably end up around the one table pickled in cocktails on beer and Ma was at the heart of it. You'd get the text message the next morning, breakfast ready, get up here now or it's gone. And you'd wobble up to JC's apartment and you'd be met with the smell of Irish sausages and rashers. You'd mill your big dirty sambo in double quick time. Maureen looked after you that way. There were no terms or conditions, just making sure everything and everyone was looked after. If my memory is right, there was a big gang of girls that went to the UK for a shopping weekend many years ago. Maureen organised and was in the thick of it. I'm sure there was much by way of ungodly laughs and the shopping bags were filled. She was a demon for the bargains. Whatever happened at the trip's end, they'd missed their flights back to Dublin. Maureen made sure everyone was on point and she looked after the cause of the flights of those who hadn't been left from all the bargain binging on Ball Street. The fancy dress parties at John and Maureen's were the stuff of legend. The pair of them were lovebirds, but they also were as thick as thieves planning all the surprises. Maureen would be in her element to organise in weeks in advance. You'd drop down with something that might need it to be done, and she'd walk you through the cavern of booze and grub, already bought for the gig. Her eyes would be lit up telling you this and that was arranged in anticipation of the night to come, and she was shown off the surprise costumes that herself and John would have hidden away for the big reveal. She just wanted everyone to be part of a great night and she wanted wonderful memories for everyone. Maureen loved the Rovers black toy deals as well. The hustle and bustle of the mingling and everyone done up to the nines for one night only. A chance to go out and buy a snazzy dress, hire out the limo, a night in a swanky hotel and stick up her finger at the posh gates down Dublin far away and defiantly exclaim, we are Rovers and we can do this too. She never forgot the bundle of Freddo bars for us on match night along with a cup of rosy lee from the wagon behind the south goal. You'd hang your flag on the railings there, and you'd hear the usual, I have them here for you. It was a matter of course that she had them ready, always looking after somebody, always making sure that they were happy. Here's to you, Mo. You'll not be forgotten, ever. A mother, a wife, a sister, and a friend to everyone, especially at Rovers. Hi, I'm the younger brother of Maureen. Um We've a family of eight. Uh, I'm the youngest, and Maureen was the third youngest. But there was nearly eleven years in the difference between me and Maureen. So she was always my big sister. Uh, she was always very sporty. Uh, I call her a tomboy. Uh, she loved swimming, tennis. She, we were we were a big football family. 
we have we have most of us followed Man United uh, from England, but uh, we're also uh, followed Bowes, my father, myself, and we all the other followed Bowes. So the earliest sporting moment with Maureen, a football moment anyway, would be a bad one because she used to go to Shamrock Rovers matches. She went over to the dark side and then she, and then she brought one home. <laughs> and then the worst of all was she married him. Uh, but we didn't hold that against her, or John. Um, she was always into everything. Um, from bringing me and my sister to the beach when she scoves off work. Uh, she played darts she, uh, all through her life. Um, she was big in the darts, she organised leagues, she organised teams. Uh, she sold darts equipment all around to co competitions around Ireland. Uh, so she was always, always there if I wanted a lift, I got a lift and, and that, that went to a lot of people who were struggling to get home from the all sorts of parts of the, uh, the country uh, on a Sunday night morning can I have a lift she was always she always give anyone a lift um, she was a very big organiser as dad's was for family was she organised everything for me and dad if they needed anything um, but she was she always got stuck into into anything that she she put her mind to. Uh, I always remember our first house. We were putting the extension, the kitchen extension on, me and John, and we had a friend, another family friend of John's, Donner was his name. We were doing the concrete floor. And um it was a really hot day, it was summer's day, as far as I know, and we're stripped down, uh, t-shirts are all off, and wheeling the concrete in, and uh, Donner was flagging a little bit, and uh, Maureen was there. Maureen just picked up the wheelbarrow. Come on, keep it going. Let's go. Let's get get it in. And uh, she continued to help us along the day doing the concrete. Not not a bother to her. And that she done that in all of. In our second house, any of the renovations we done in the houses, the, our two houses that she had, um, she was always stuck in. She wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. Um, but she she was like that with everybody. She she'd give every do anything for anybody, and that uh, neighbors, friends, she was always there. So she really was in my eyes. She always was the ultimate big sister. For, to everybody, not just me. I know everyone thinks their mom is the best one in the world. Mine genuinely was. She would give up her free time to help anyone, be it someone she just met or someone she knew her whole life. She would often do two trips out to Barcode on a Saturday night, one to drop me and my friends over and then come back and get my sister and her friends and then go back over to Barcode just so we didn't have to pay an extra 30 euro in a taxi. She would never see people stuck and I think that's how she started volunteering at Rovers. She helped out behind the goal in Tolgan in the sweet shop and the souvenir shop before moving on to bigger and better things in the Glenmalore suite in Tallaght. She took pride in her work, making every tea and coffee and serving her with a smile, even though in the latter years she was probably in excruciating pain. It didn't matter how sick she was all week, she pulled herself together on a Friday to be in Tallaght and show everyone how strong she really was. 
kind of amazed me sometimes. There was one time she was in hospital all week and got out for the weekend and there was a game on and tell it, I'm not sure if it was a B-team game or an under-19s game, but she drove herself up to tell it to give a hand in the Glenmore Suite at halftime. We also can't forget about her famous brown bread. You are one of the lucky ones if you've seen that silver, silver tinfoil square coming towards you on a Friday night. It was hard the first few weeks not seeing her in the suite because we all know how much time we spent in there and her not being there was also a bit weird. But we know she's always around watching over us as a family and watching over Rovers or her other family. So that was some absolutely gorgeous tributes for... Uh Maureen and Gary, Gary tells you not to be cutting onions during the podcast. It's uh, uh listen, the, the woman was was astounding, fantastic, always good for sneaking the treats in and the famous brown bread. Um, see, I know Karen and the Connollys pretty much all my life as well, but there was never really much interaction because we went to with the primary, you know, so we know Karen all my life pretty much. But I always just remember Maureen as a, a, a like a a huge figure you know just a really cool personality and just encapsulates everything Rovers is about you know that that helping winner attitude just a lovely lovely woman and once again like she always says rest in peace and happy anniversary two years so some lovely memories there from some of the people who knew her best and there was an obvious team there of just of her looking after people that's it yeah yeah and uh yeah, well, I would have only talked to Marion myself a little bit. I would have seen her in the Glenmalar suite when she was volunteering with uh, Catherine. And I remember we were with her with one of the European trips. I think it might have been Prague, was it? Don't know, Prof. My memory's <laughs> quite hazy from this these trips. This was before trips. the drinking started. So, I mean, you should remember this. Your drinking started, anyway. <laughs> nah, no, I just, she always struck me as such a nice person and just really passionate about robbers, just like all the comedies. Well, this is the brainchild of the Prof, and this is going to be uh, yep. another... It's going to continue on now for other hoops that have passed on, but it is, it's a, it's a tearjerker already, isn't it? Yeah, I hope people like it. We might expand it to include basically any non-players, you know, like officials, maybe even someone like Billy Lord, yeah. who was trainer at Milltown for decades, you know, those sort of people. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. mostly fans, like legendary fans, we'll do about maybe one a month and try and time it in with the anniversary of that person's yeah. passing. And uh, one last thing, a random fact from Karen, she sent in. She said, my mum used to sew together the Ultras flags, like the big giant Tifo ones. Oh, the older Ultras, like Kido, showed the hoop and Stee asked her to do it. There you go. She's been involved in every aspect of it. Every yep. aspect of it. Fantastic stuff once again. Um, yeah, so there you go. For Maureen. Right, so pre-season training is underway and the boys are getting hit hard with double sessions most of the month and February on the pitch and in the gym and all over and the clubs are putting up pictures and videos on social media so they are getting put through their paces, Prof. Um, I got uh, the last of the boots are on the way out, the last of the uh, charity boots and we got Pico to sign his cup final boots and they're on their way out to Jer two weeks. There was a bit of a delay and uh, yeah, he was feeling it today. He was feeling, he was, <laughs> he's walking a bit gingerly so... They're getting put through their paces already, so it's good to see. Just hanging out with Pigo, randomly get real. That's it, just chilling out, you know. Just Both of us with all our long, luscious locks yeah. of hair. Football, fuck <laughs> yeah. 
squad numbers prop new faces are as follows Sean Gannon number 2 Sean Hoare number 3 Danny Mandreou number 14 and Chris McCann number 26 well Borky has taken the coveted number 10 short so does this mean he will replace Jack Bourne in the 10 roll fingers yeah. does this mean he'll be in number 10 yeah that's it so yeah 3-3 three, three with Bray Wanderers in our force friendly on Sunday 2 goals for Rory Gaffney and 1 for a new sign of Sean Hoare uh, Sean Hart supposedly been very impressive and Brandon Kavanagh and Lone Force who's on the score sheet for Bray cupped his ear ran past Brazzer <laughs> shouting doubt me now doubt me now just out of, out of fence at Roadstone out <laughs> to the bushes just nothing all you can see is little birds <laughs> <laughs> doubt me now um, yeah. yeah so a cracker of a game tree all oh, good to see Gaffney getting on the score sheet as well back to fitness after the problem with his ankle very, very happy with the squad the way it is now. And do we even need a striker now? Gaffney's scoring goals and he's fit. Could be a big player for this. Could be a big player. Um, we played 70, 75 minutes of the game with 10 men after Nugent went off injured, who was very impressive as well, so I'm told, from my little birdies. Yeah, we, we know subs, so. No, that's down to the B team. The backer, really, isn't it? You could say that. I mean, we would have a lot of the, well, some of the B team players there if that was the case. Hmm. So the team versus Bray was Poles, O'Brien, Horse, Scales, Dylan Duffy from the 19s, O'Neill, Watts, Finn, Nugent, Williams and Gaffney. And then we beat Atlanta 2-0 on the same day with goals from Murphy and Mandrew. And that starting 11 was um, Cahill, an under-17s keeper. Oh, very nice, prof. I didn't know that. Gannon, Lopez, Grace, Cavanagh, Murphy, Noonan, McCann, Mandrew and Bourke and Green. So both games were played at Roadstone. So once again, using the facilities to their mm-hmm. full advantage. And uh, great, uh, great, and even uh, Mr. Shaw was uh, giving me a little rundown of the game, and he said it was great to be back at Roadstone. So he really is—he's uh, <laughs> a proper hoop. Has he recovered from the Winston experience? No, I think so. I think he was—I think he was creeping through, thinking Winston was going to turn up. Uh, no, Alan Manus there. A uh, bit of an injury he's had in pre-season. Nothing um, a bit of peanut butter will sort out, Prof. So yeah, cross your fingers, cross your toes, whatever else that he recovers swiftly because. That is one position we cannot afford an injury. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> we talked about it before. It's just very, there's, there's no options there at the minute. We can't talk about it. Get Big Gav back on loan maybe. But as as much as it... like Is that a step down? He's played... What, is, is it League 2 now? League 1 maybe? Who? I'm not sure what Rochdale is at this stage. It's possibly well, League 1. League but would that be seen as a step down for Man City to send them on loan here? Well, funny mention actually. If you notice, there's a bit of a trend now where it, uh, you got a Liverpool keeper coming on loan. Was yeah, it to yeah. Pats? Was, was it? it on loan or was he signed uh, for good? Not sure. <laughs> so uh, that's a 19 year old, I think, Latvian, wasn't it? You got a City player going to Derry. Yeah, Joe Hodge, who's currently yeah. injured as well, four weeks. There was a third one now. But. Uh, Alfie, Alfie Smith to, to, to Pats uh, yeah. from, from West Ham. But three Premier League players loaned here. In one season, like that. yeah, so that's I think a bit of a change. I think they're starting to see it as a decent league now. Hopefully, man's league, good games, mm. good good place to get uh, experience. So, yeah, Hart seems shocked by how good McInniff was. I know it's pissing. It's a piss you off, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, but when you look at it, why he's played in a, a league-winning team, two European campaigns, men's football. I know that makes he's twenty-five. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the games at Rolson and Exeter Bar Cove and Cork this coming Sunday the 28th, so I'm presuming that is down there. And Cavantili on the 3rd of March and then Shelbourne and UCD on Saturday. 
the 6th of March. So all games are behind closed doors. So unfortunately, this uh, it's still a trend that is going to continue. Uh, the decision came to make it a 10-team, 4th Division team, a treaty United being accepted, and not Rovers B or Dublin County FC. This Dublin County thing is fascinating. I know. They seem to want to uh, display what heritage they were. One was like, hey, we're two African-Americans, two Irish-Americans, and two other guys. Like, no one cares. <laughs> Why are you telling us this? Well, they didn't even have a squad assembled, did they? No, they didn't. And they were actually recruiting. They were actively recruiting. Hmm. Just ask people for CVs and stuff. Wasn't their manager from the Ukraine? I don't know. I think it stunk of Atlone's Portuguese imports yeah, and well, uh, Igor Labutz. Remember that scandal? They What they did was they took over Atlone, they fiddled bets and they left. They brought in managers, they brought in players, they got the, all the money they wanted from bets and Labutz yeah. and uh, they, they left. I think it could be something similar. It could have been. Labets and Labutz. Labets and Labutz. So in the 30... 30- Six-year-old Uruguayan centre-back. Oh, yeah, that's that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That was but, that was fascinating, that long thing. But comparisons were made to that because that Ukrainian manager was working in Ukraine, uh, I think, like three or four years ago when there was, there was a lot of match-fixing allegations. Putting on Lebets on the bus. So it, could, it could have been another long situation. Yeah, so look for a minute there, like, we're going to have a new club. <sighs> For at one stage there, Dublin County FC were more elite than Dublin GAA. Yeah, playing out of Sandry. What a country. Playing out of Sandry. Yeah, and James Law would have had a local club again. There you go, yeah. Mark Turner would have been happy enough with it. The, from uh, doing the long jump, doing the long jump playing yeah. on the wing. Yeah, but we 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 announced on online that our B team got a licence. But then we weren't invited, so it felt like the rug was pulled out from under us in the last yeah. minute. It's ah, very frustrating. And and the, like uh, the B team is very very frustrating for me because we were only getting warmed up to the whole idea of having these players come through and play competitive football and we got one season out of it and it did bear fruit there was some good players now it's just gone again due to I don't know yeah. people's bitterness unprofessionalism whatever way you want to say it the first division clubs must have pressured the, the FBI about this though because they remember they insisted last year it has, that they agreed to it for only one season or was that the first division alliance or whatever but uh, yeah very frustrating especially for Edo as well I feel bad for Edo because he's put a lot of effort into it and he's ha- he pretty much assembled the squad and prepared for pre-season so unfortunate I know they're just nimble I hope he hammered Drogheda and Longford now oh yes maybe one uh, one positive right so we're moving are you, on are you going to do a maxi gear I'm going to no, no well yeah Jesus do a maxi I don't think I'd be I'd be fitting for the maxi now. I think we've a couple of other fans that'd be well suited for. But prof, you have a. We're going to move on, and you have a list for us. I do. A list of Rovers books. Here we go. You know why I'm listening to this. Oh yeah, terrible times coming. Yeah. So we have "Come on the Hoops" by Shardy Willoughby in 1987. Remember my article about that mess of a thing? <laughs> <laughs> it was just so factually incorrect. <laughs> we have a. Uh, so we have a run of books now by Robert Gargans. We have The Hoops by Robert Gargans and Paul Dillon in 1993. We have Shamrock Garbers 100 Years by Robert in 2002. Or at least he thought it was 100 years at the time. Uh, we have We Are Robbers, an oral, oral history of Shamrock Garbers by Owen Rice in 2005. Died in the Wool. You might not have heard about this Never one. Never heard of this one. Yeah, it's on the, on the bookshelf there. Memories of a Hoops fan by Robin Browett. Cool. 2005. Uh, the Foreign and Row Story by Robert, 2009. 
Chronological History of Robbers by Robert in 2012. Tata Time by McDerrick Ferris and myself in 2013. <laughs> Through the Hoops by Jimmy Cummins, former Robbers Keeper. Same year. Uh, she Wore a Green Ribbon by Robert, 2019. Shamrock Robbers Champions 2020, which came out at Christmas. That was edited by Robert with various contributors. And now, joining the exclusive Autos Club. Are you getting in? A diary, on a, a diary of an unforgettable season by Daniel Cleary in 2021. Big Dan, good man, fair play Dan. And I have my copy, I think I got it yesterday. So, um, I'll be having a little browse through that in the weekend. <laughs> so, looking forward to it, fair play Dan. I haven't read it yet, but I'm really, really looking forward to having a copy right here, looking yeah. at me. In Prof's Dungeon. I read that in, in work one Friday afternoon. I don't know if that says more about how long the book is or how little work I do. But I can answer that too if you want. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean it's not the longest book, but it's it's very charming. It's a good read and I enjoyed it so And it's something to look back on as well because we like although I didn't get into the games, uh it's 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 nice, isn't it? It's nice to have. Nice to be able to look back on it and yeah. Have a little uh, reminder of how how we didn't get into any games. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now well done to him. It's had such a good response that he's doing another uh, print run. Oh, lovely, excellent stuff. So, Great um, to hear. Yeah, I mean he's only I think he's sixteen or seventeen or something. He's a young man who's gone places. Uh, if I had tried to read to write something at that age, it would have been absolute muck. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it would have been. It's, it's actually annoying how capable he is. He's very, very good. And he's very professional like, as well. For a young man, he seems yeah. like uh, a lot older than he is. Like, he works in the office. And some, I saw someone talking about it on um, Robert's chat. Can you imagine how many people were ringing the office and yelling down the phone at him for stream links for that European game against Ilves? Just annoying him. Yeah, it is. I can imagine. I can imagine the amount of people ringing in. And... He has all the patience in the world, so fair play to him. Yeah, big shout out to Dan. Does the PA, of course, in Tata, mm. if, if you didn't know. So we're moving on now, and we've more merch available. We've 2021 Hoop Scene Bundle is now available, so individual programs may not be available, so we encourage those interested to get the bundle and avoid the disappointment. I got mine last week. Very, very, very excited about it. Price is 45 and includes domestic postage, and that is seven copies as far as I know. For outside of Ireland, P&P pricing is uh, a little bit different as well. So email info at Shamrock Rovers for that. And fans are asked to order before the February 28th so we can plan ahead on production quantities. And I am ex- very excited about this. Um, I ordered mine last weekend. Bit of promo on the IG uh, platform. So yeah, definitely, definitely get involved and go onto the website and get your, your program bundle. Yeah, definitely. Every penny helps the club. Definitely show your support. Like the, as you said, there's a deadline by the end of the week to do this. So uh, Robert and the club are kind of weighing things up to see if production is, you know, sustainable. So best thing to do is act fast and, and support the program. Uh, go onto the website, pick it up. The only season that Roberts never did a program was eighty-seven, eighty-eight. The last season of Milton. Um, the first season after Milton. The season after Milton. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, the club was the shambles at the time. But uh, I can't ever see, him, can't ever see there being a repeat of that. So those dark days. So. Not with you and the steering wheel, prop. And yeah, so I was always like support who've seen and the contributors who, you know, give a lot of free time of their free time over the years, and they want to keep writing for you. So 
and the program matters to a lot of people. So yeah, cost of a meal out with the missus, which you you can't have at the minute. So just <laughs> give, so just uh, go and uh, buy the bundle. Off. More, more toilet reading, girls. You there like you to go. Say. Yeah, fantastic toilet reading, which isn't a dig. Which is a fantastic thing. <laughs> toilet reading is good reading. It's just where you do your reading. Um, yeah. So members meet in town hall as you listen to this. It's on at seven thirty tonight, and they've been excellent and hosted very well. We got to meet our new chairman. We got to talk all things Rovers. And it's just a good little update, you know. Keeps us all happy. And Prof, you like to, the uh, the voyeur in you comes I out do. during really, this. Really you like to see what people are doing. So, yeah, check it out, Half 7. Tonight, as you listen to this, um, you'll be sent out your email. Check your spam. Check all your, your inboxes So for the Zoom link. So that's pretty much it. We'll be back before and after the President's Cup game with more podcasts, more of our Player of the Year series. Dave Conn has already recorded, so you hear that eventually, and it's a long one, but that is it for today. Keep an eye out for merch. Uh, East, at Eastan Pod on Twitter. Testing Eastan on Instagram. Riley Parsons on Facebook. And that is pretty much it for this week. So hopefully we see you soon, and stay safe. Wash those hands and keep on hooping. See ya. All alone tonight I dream in my land Of an island far across the sea A little bit of heaven they call Ireland Where an angel waits for me My heart is filled with pain To be with you and to hold you In my arms again In all my dreams I dream Secrets of our hearts.